the Gundog Notebook Podcast is presented to you by Onyx Hunt, crafted to be the number one digital mapping resource for hunters, anglers, and landowners. Download the Onyx Hunt app from your phone's app store today and use my promo code GDN20 for 20% off your Onyx subscription. I also want to bring to you Yukonuba Sporting Dog, the premium performance 3020 blend. For the last 50 years, Yukonuba has created premium nutrition that unlocks the power and potential within. From the unstoppable performance of the sporting dogs to the life-saving abilities of working dogs to the incredible companionship of service animals and family pets. Check out Yukonuba Sporting Dog today and go pick up a bag of the 3020 premium performance blend and guys last but not least i want to thank my affiliates lion country supply and garmin fish and hunt go check them out today for the spring training season all right guys i hope you guys are doing well with the whole social distancing covid19 little quarantine thing that we got on going around the country i hope you all are safe and and happy and content I am, uh, I've had a lot of time to hang out with my wife and hang out with my daughter more time than I would, you know, than I, than I normally get a chance to do throughout the day because I'm teaching most of the time, but we are out till at least April 30th doing some online teaching. So that gives me a lot more time to talk to my buddy, Terry Chastain Jr. Um, you know, and this is really more indicative of, of kind of how we chit chat and talk and bounce ideas off each other. Um, but, you know, I do owe Terry a, a real big uh, debt of gratitude, you know, for giving me some pointers and some advice and things like that. But nonetheless, I don't want to hold you guys too long because it is a long episode. So with that being said, guys, I'm picking up where we left off from last week and talking to a third generation dog man, Terry Chastain Jr., from Melrose Plantation down in South Georgia, down in Thomasville to be specific. I hope y'all enjoy and I'll catch y'all later on. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Gun Dog Notebook podcast, uh, the social distancing edition, if you, <laughs> <laughs> if you want to call it that. So, um, I don't know, man. I, I, Hope that you know every all of this stuff is good. You know what, Terry? Since we're on, you want to know what's funny about this? So, um, the one thing that I don't mind about this is because I'm a teacher, I'm not going into work like that. There you go, <laughs> I'm not going into go. work. So, <laughs> um, you know, I wake up, I gotta do my little online teaching thing and stuff like that, but. <laughs> like damn like I, I don't want nobody to get coronavirus I really don't but like if somebody could just false claim it just one more week <laughs> yeah right oh. <laughs> just like I don't want them to get it but just like false claim it for a second so. yeah, when, it get, when when y'all start talking with your administrators and stuff be like man I've had this cough and <laughs> maybe we should maybe I should just stay home one more week just stay home one more week man you know I I I just need to get checked out. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and if anybody fights you on it, you know, they're going to, they're going to be the one that's the butthead. Right, you know what I mean? Right. Cause, cause if, because if, because if for some reason some kid did end up getting it, 
<laughs> and some parent found out, well, Darrell said he wasn't feeling good. And you made him come in anyway. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, you know, just like false claiming, but um, I don't know, man, we're out till April 30th. So I'm going I'm to be grateful for what I got, you know. That's right. Um, but in, in terms of school, Terry, now I didn't put this on and I don't know why I just thought about this. I was kind of out back, you know, getting the dogs and stuff packed up or whatever. And I was like, let me ask Terry this because... Again, as we spoke about on the live podcast, you're third generation dog, man. So when you're coming up in school, as we talk about school and stuff, like in like elementary school, when we have like career day and all of that stuff. Did, did y'all mm-hmm. do that? Like bring, oh, yeah. bring your parent in for career day? Like, yeah. So does your dad come in and like just bring one of his dogs and just like throws that bad boy up on one of the school desks and like has them like, you know, <laughs> posed up yeah. like this is my dad's career day? You know, I don't, I'm trying to remember. I, I don't ever remember him bringing a dog in. Um, I'm sure he came in and talked about dogs and being a plantation manager. And I know, uh, you know, every year, every other year or so, we'd always end up having a field trip out here to the plantation. Really? And, uh, and you know, he'd have, you know, uh, like a utility trailer with a bunch of hay bales. And he'd ride us through the woods and, give you know, talk about, you know, the ecology of you know, the woods around here and, huh. and bird dog, we look at the kennel and, you know, it was a lot of fun and very educational. And, uh, so yeah. for, for you, was this like, ah, oh, here we go again. Or like, does it, was that like the, like a, like a defiant, were, were you like the cool kid for like the rest of the week or something like that? Like how did, how did that work socially? At, at least for the rest of the day. Um, <laughs> um, so that was, but that was a lot of fun, you know, and we, that was in, you know, elementary school i'm trying to think if we ever did it in middle school you know things started get, you know classes started getting a little more mm-hmm. serious and you can't miss class and by that time you know field trips weren't quite as you know just readily to go on right um just, but it was it was a lot of fun i always enjoyed it because i was like yeah day we don't have to be in class right because i just wouldn't go to school yeah, like, you know, I mean, you're, they're coming to you why anyway. Why would I go to school to get on the bus to come home? Because <laughs> I lived right there below the headquarters where they uh, where the school bus would come. Mm-hmm. Um, so I loved it. Mm. I had a lot of fun. Okay, okay. I was wondering about that, man. And uh, I figured I would ask. And so at, at our school, they, they, well, it's canceled now, but we were supposed to be doing this, like, end of semester because it's middle school. So, I mean... Mm-hmm. Towards the end of the year, they kind of just start chilling out or whatever and having a little more fun. And you have your like field day type stuff. But um, what we were supposed to do this year was like this thing called May ATL. And basically the teachers pair up and get into like groups and like you'll have a partner teacher and you kind of got to plan. You guys kind of got or We have to kind of plan like a trip for the kids. It's just straight up fun and yeah it's educational but it's like real lightweight um you know my buddy and i we had had a a pretty cool little thing it was like a mix of um like photography and and paper making so he's a photographer and i'm obviously an artist so i can show this whole thing but anyway one of the pe teachers uh, or two of the pe teachers asked me to um they were like well hey we know you got bird dogs so would you mind coming in and bringing your dogs in to do a, a, a bird dog demonstration <laughs> oh, man, that's in awesome. North that's Atlanta? So, awesome. <laughs> so hey, you need to get some, get. Well, I guess if y'all end up going back in in time and doing all that, you know, get a 
make sure you get some pictures to Tommy and Chris and put up on the field trial line, Yo. the youth field trial line. Yo, I, so, all right, so this is what it is. So it's canceled this year, but next year they're going to do it. So I'm, okay. I'm hoping next year, because we don't know when we even going to go back to school. So yeah. I'm hoping next year I'll be able to do that. I'm, I'm hoping they stick to the same thing because I was ready, man. Like, <laughs> Like, yeah, that'd be awesome. I was going to take, you know, the barrel out there and stuff like that. And then, uh, you know, put a put a, a collar on the dog on them and kind of show them the whole thing and throw some little, you know, take some hay or something like that and plant a quail or something like that. And not kill it, obviously, but take the blank pistol. Just kind of show them the whole thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, they would love that. That'd be awesome. Yeah. We do uh, about <clears throat> once or twice a year the local uh so I guess it's Southwest Georgia Regional Technical College, or mm-hmm. Dad calls it South Georgia Tech. Right. Um, <laughs> right. They <laughs> they, uh, they they have um, a program that has to do with wildlife and forestry, man, you know, just outdoors, and I think they can then go do more specific studies afterwards. But we have a big group of of um, students come out and we talk about kennel management and mm-hmm. stable management. And then I'll usually do a little yard work demonstration and then ride them through the woods and talk about, um, you know, manage, you know, the actual management of the woods. Right. Well, right. Dang. Okay. So, okay. so I, I enjoy doing that. So, uh, you know, getting into, you know, that aspect of your job, because, I mean, obviously, you're down there at Melrose Plantation, and you've got this. When when we were talking about the live last week, we didn't really get into your your story, right? <laughs> uh, we <laughs> we just kind of got on, and all I've been doing is bragging about you and, your, and 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 helping me out during that Rocky Creek trial and, and using your horse. So now hey, I kind of want to. So now I want to talk about the guy that you know I've been bragging about a whole lot. Um, so anyway, oh, well, right. Um, so we met last year at the Black mm-hmm. Handlers trial. Your leg was broken. So, yeah. Oh, first of all, how did you break your leg? And let's talk about you know life from then up till now, and and then let's get into like what is it like, and when did you decide? All right, I'm gonna do exactly what my dad has been doing. I was about five years old. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah. Well, no. Seriously, though, we um. I guess it was a year or two ago, going through a you know a, a cabinet of pictures and old keepsakes. We found some. Was, they were like something made into Christmas ornaments um, from kindergarten, and it was like questions, and you could tell the teacher wrote in you know the words that you answered, and it was like, you know, what is your favorite food? And mine was it said juicy deer steak. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what I told. I still is. Um, and then one was, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it's my, it's a, a plantation man like my daddy. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so I've always, this is what I've always wanted to do. I've always known it. Okay. Um, but uh, I broke my leg. You asked me how I broke my leg. We were quail hunting and uh, old Big pointed a covey of birds. And we were right. Big. Yeah. Big, yep. <laughs> and we were right on the edge of a hammock. Mm-hmm. Um or a creek drain for those that don't use the word hammock that aren't from the southeast. Right. Um, and he pointed, and just a a couple seconds after he pointed, you know, some birds started pitching up and, and flying down to that creek. 
So I, you know, called points. If y'all get up quick, they're about to leave because these are wild birds. Um, and I was riding my big gray horse, and he's pretty tall. And I hopped down real quick, and my left foot just kind of got caught in the stirrup just a little bit. Just didn't slip slide just out right, mm-hmm. and and ended up landing on the side of my right foot oh. and tore and and tore the um, ATF ligament in that right ankle. And you know you you know you know how it is. You you roll your ankle and it hurts mm-hmm. really bad, but you think it's, it'll you know it'll be okay, and I'll walk off in a minute. Yep. You know it'll go back to normal, and that's what I thought it was. Mm-hmm. So I hobbled my butt out there, and through all of this, the birds they stuck. The rest of them, you know, and <laughs> I right. hobble out there and get them, get the birds flushed and, you know, nice covey rise gets up and they boom, 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 don't cut a feather. So, you know, here I, I got hurt for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, I was thinking, okay, it's still hurting, but I'll be all right. And when I went to push up to get back in the saddle, man, I, I knew, I knew something was wrong. Yeah, well, that was it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and so, that wound my season up for the most part. Ah, shit, man. Well, you know, the, the I'd have said it'd have been cool. I mean, what hell was the point? Nice. I'm sure you got something out of there. It was big, so at least you probably got yeah, a I good. Mean, <laughs> yeah, hey, those guys got to get off their horse and go shoot into a wild covey of bob white quail over a broke bird dog. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's what they were out there to do. Mm-hmm. And if, if they don't kill them, that's that's out of my hands. Right. <laughs> but, um. Yeah, so we got that out of it, and then and I did, um, you know, after a week, they would let me actually get on the wagon. You know, mm-hmm. they kept me at home with my foot up for a week, and then uh, the rest of the season, uh, well, I guess that was like the last day of January, so I had about a month, we had a month of season left, so I spent about two weeks riding the front seat of the wagon with Willie Sherman. And that spoiled me. Yeah. Now, if I ever get to go on a quail hunt as a guest, I'm not riding a horse. I'm riding a wagon. <laughs> that, that was nice. Um, but uh, I had to watch somebody else handle my dog, so I didn't like that too much. Was, um, I mean, well, okay, so <laughs> were you, like, going through and, like, damn, this motherfucker here, like, you know, what, what, I mean, what, were you like correcting them in your head? Like, how does that, how does that work? Because I de- that's probably half my problem now is – I don't ever want anybody else's hands on my dog. I know that sounds so stupid, maybe selfish, whatever. But no, I, I understand. I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. I, I heard, I heard a trainer, a pro trainer. I was riding along next to him at, I think we're at the Masters um, Open Shooting Dog Championship a couple of years ago, and the head, one of the owners was actually handling the dog, and he said, "Man." He said, I'd, I'd rather him screw my wife than well, I have to watch him run my dog like that. <laughs> yeah. um, like, it's just something about it, man. Like, it it just is. Like, I don't know what it is about somebody else handling it. And, and you know what? I probably, and I, I'm, I probably boost Neil up like a whole, I know I do. Actually, I know I do. But he says the same thing. He's just like, I just don't want nobody's hands on my dogs. It just, you know. Um, well, you know, you get the rapport and you know, you know that dog. So, you know, if you know, for the most part, mm-hmm. what it needs at that given time for the correction. And is that person that's got their hands on your dog going to ruin that dog? 
probably, probably not. not. Yeah. But you're, but you're going to scrutinize it in your head or out loud. And right. luckily dad was the one handling, handling my dogs. Oh. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, what so then you're doing do- it wrong. <laughs> no, you can't tell him you're doing it wrong. Right. So, so now I guess now does the conversation go to damn, like <laughs> I might lose this dog. The dog want to work for my dad more than me. <laughs> no, that's all right. He was, he was more than ready to, hand it back over to me after a couple of weeks they got to where they would let me actually sit on a horse yeah and i couldn't flush but i could at least go handle my dogs and then dad would get down and go flush with the shooters and i'd just sit on on the horse and watch right that was kind of that was kind of nice too right (laughs) now let me ask you this because there's like i I, I, there's this big old stigma of not even a stigma it's kind of the truth but I think there I, I think expectation would be more of the appropriate word. But, you know, when you talk about hunting out west, people talk about hunting these chuckers and all kinds of stuff like that. And hun- Hungarian partridges, blah, 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 blah. And you talk about hunting up north, you talking about closer working dogs, cover dogs, um, hunting grouse. There's that whole thing and woodcock and all of these crazy stories about stuff like that. But then I think down here in the southeast, we got this bubble, right? Not even in the Southeast, but in the South period. There's this bubble and this expectation of, oh, I'm going to come down there and be riding on a wagon with a bunch of pointers in front and and, and a bunch of flushing dogs and stuff like that. Now, is that always true or do y'all do y'all change it up for what the client is willing to pay for? Really? I mean, like I know when I'm going out guiding um, at Bird's Plantation, which is not anything like what you're doing down there is nowhere near the size and anything like that, but it's more of a walking guided hunt. Right. So, yeah. but the, the expectation still is, um, two pointers and a flushing dog. And that's what the clients are paying for. So, mm-hmm. you know, at, I guess down in South Georgia, not specifically talking about your job, cause I don't want to target that or anything like that, but just in general, what is the expectation for going down to hunt on any of the South Georgia plantations? And is some of that expectation or stigma, like, does that hold true or, or are there differences or whatever? Oh, well, you know, you're going to have your, you know, some slight differences from operation to operation, but, um, majority, you know, the majority of these places around Thomasville and Albany and Tallahassee, um, that are hunting wild birds, um, well, the majority of them aren't selling hunts. Um, it's in the last decade gotten more popular to to sell hunts to um, <clears throat> just to help with some of the offset some of the costs, which these people have got more money than the bank. Right. So I don't know why they're doing that. To you know, some of them they'll sell just a handful of hunts, and you know, and, you know I know what this stuff costs. I know what they're selling hunts for, and you're like that. That was a drop in the bucket, but it. it, it probably is to make some of the other family members feel better about it. But most of these places are, you got a, the handlers on a horse and, you know, maybe they got a scout and, um, and you'll have some guests on, on the, on the hunting wagon. Um, that's, you know, pulled by mules or draft horses, mostly mules There's some places with draft horses mm-hmm. and you'll have some guests on horses. And some of them have very minimal staff like us. That's, it's me. Um, you know, dad, you know, leading horses and, you know, maybe holding dogs for me here or there. We try to have one person leading horses and one person, um, you know, helping me 
um, hold dogs or scout, which is hunting. So they're hunting dogs. So it's, it's minimal scouting. Um, but when you're running two dogs, it is nice to be able to say, you know, hey, go go look behind that thicket and see if that dog's pointed over there. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Or, uh, you know, something like that. But And then we got the wagon driver. So that's it. There's one, two, three, four of us, about max. And then you got some places that they'll have, you know, those four people. And then for every shooter, they'll have a person with them at all times to pick to lead just their horse and to walk behind them with while they're shooting for safety's sake and, you know, mark their birds. And mm-hmm. so then you, that, that's a big hunting party. But right. um, but <clears throat> the flushing dogs, you, you don't see many flushing dogs on the wild bird hunts. Because um, that's typically the the thing you need least is to – we don't have much trouble getting these birds to fly. Right. right. <laughs> the biggest problem is getting them to sit there until we get there. Right. Um, and hopefully we can walk out there and make them fly. <laughs> Uh, most of these flushing dogs are on your uh, put-and-take operations where mm-hmm. they go put the birds out right beforehand. And you, you've seen them. You've got pen race yeah. birds that you do some training with. Mm-hmm. They To say that they're afraid of people is <laughs> they're, just, they're just not they're really not, not afraid of them. Them jokers will go and shake your hand. <laughs> yeah, they just sit there and look at you. But you got to think, most of those birds have been fed by. Every time they've had feed poured in their feed bucket, it's been That's by a person. person. Yep. Um, there's, there's some... You know, some operations out there, um, some game, you know, game bird farms that, you know, they only feed them at night. They do stuff like that to try to make them a little more wild. But mm-hmm. it, it's, you know, it's it's hard to get those birds to flush and fly. Oh, yeah. Just walking out there and kicking, trying to kick them up. Or if they do, they just kind of, you know, flutter yeah. up and go right back down. Mm-hmm. Well, it, can get dang, it can get dangerous, too. Right. Having the man out there. And the birds flushing up right in front of them and going right down, and somebody's excited, and they just boom and blow your eardrum out. Right. And when you get when you get a flushing dog out there, those birds will typically fly better when a little cocker or a lab or a boykin or whatever gets out there and roots them up. Right. Well, and that and that's one thing I noticed. I mean, and even help. You know, I showed you the uh, the little training setup that I got out back because there's whole mm-hmm. damn quarantine shit. Um, <laughs> you know, I have tried to get really creative <laughs> with stuff, hey. like, because I can't go nowhere. But uh, mm-hmm. I noticed it was literally like, uh, I, it literally back to back. So I ended up sending send Vegas or whatever. And the birds that I have came from, uh, was it Z Game Birds? And they actually pretty good flying birds. I mean, they, once they get up, they get up and go. You know, they don't yeah. just sit down. But literally, from one thing to the second, the, the, the one of those videos I sent you, Vegas ends up pointing or whatever, and I send Ruger in. Oh, Bird got out of there. I mean, gone. You see what I'm saying? Like, he, not a problem. Bird gets yeah. up, boom, boom, bam, we're good. And then that second video or whatever, where where he had, like, that weird three-legged point, and I want to get into that with you, too. But um, I didn't, I was like, all right, let me just go in there just for the disciplinary thing with Ruger. Like, let me just sit him and just have him sit through all of this commotion. Um and Terry, when I tell you, man, like, dang bird got up like maybe five feet, and I had to kind of go and like, you know, like really get get that flesh and whip to them bushes to get them yeah. back out again. And it was literally like it, it was night. It was it was a night and day flush. So I totally feel you when you say having that dog in there for you know to put and take birds. It makes a it makes a world of difference. Yeah, it really does. I'm, and. Uh, you don't need a much trying to flush a wild country. No, hell no. Ed- I will say, though, um, you know, 
sometimes if you get a covey up, let's say a covey gets up wild, you know, right, you know, ahead before the dogs get pointed or something, or or maybe the dog points them, but they get up, you know, they just get up on their own before you get to them. No fault to the mm-hmm. dog. Um, most of the time on Melrose, because we have so many creek drains, they're mm-hmm. going, you're, they're going out of sight. You're not going to get another opportunity at them. Right. But sometimes they will fly, you know, straight ahead on the course, and you may mark mark them down. Right. Um, and we don't shoot into the same covey twice on a. You know, we won't shoot into a covey and then try to mark singles down and then go shoot them too. We that, we just move on just to another covey. Yeah. Um, but we're not trying to see how many we can kill. We're, you know, we're pretty pretty purist right. as far as the gentleman quail hunting hunt goes. But mm-hmm. um, but if I get a covey marked down that we didn't kill some kill, you know, shoot into, um. So I will, I'll, you know, I'll get the guys on the, we'll keep them on the ground and we'll walk up there and I'll call the lab off the wagon mm-hmm. because sometimes when those birds have already been flushed and they kind of spread out a little bit and they will stick and they will just, they'll just hold and they don't want to get up and that, uh, a dog, a retriever will, can help you out there getting those birds to fly. Right. Right. Um, you, you said something that I totally align with, like. When I come down there to Thomasville, I hunt the WMAs because Lord knows I don't have enough money to hunt <laughs> on any of those plantations. <laughs> uh, like, me I, neither. <laughs> I can't even afford to hunt on the put out. <laughs> so, oh, look, man, I, I, I hunt my WMAs and, you know, and, and, and I have a good time doing it. But, you know, I adopt the same mentality of, I don't shoot into the same covey, you know, and, and my oh. realistically, and this is probably a bit of an extreme. I give myself six wild birds, um, a season. That is a seat. Cause number one, I mean, it's, if, if we're just talking about, you know, table fare, let's just be realistic. You don't go hunt wild birds for table fare. You just don't. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it, no, hell the limit ain't even, I don't think you're going to get that many in a, in a, in a, in a day's hunt. You probably could. Um, I've had the it'd opportunity. Be, it'd, to be, it'd be tough on a WMA. You right. could, you, you, you could feed a big family hunt, shooting on some of these uh, plantations down yeah, here, but absolutely but yeah, hunting the WMAs. It'd be, it's tough to get a big mess of birds. Right. But you know, one thing that I've, I've just noticed, and of course everybody talks about this is the, I guess is it is it a validation for for our this this new generation of of folks now to say like I got a truckload of birds and stuff like I don't know it just makes me kind of cringe to see stuff like that and when you talk about purists like hell it's just easier to take out a damn blank pistol and run a dog <laughs> it's not as much weight but you know I'll go and I just kind of look at this stuff and I'm like man you know, we could go out and get all of this really, really, really good quality dog work on these wild birds. And you can go and do your little put and take birds and stuff like that and shoot up however many you paid for. But I just like the emphasis on quality, quality, quality dog work. And I'm pretty sure that that's something that your dad instilled in you, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah. You know I mean? I can't say this for every group that goes quail hunting, but all of the groups, you know, if you come quail hunting on Melrose, don't expect to come kill a wagon limit. Um, you know, but the people that are coming aren't coming to kill a wagon limit, um, of birds, which, 
you can go do that on some of these other places. Right. Um, but, uh, but they, but they're coming for just the experience of the, the wagons and the mules and the horses. And like you said, the, the good, good dog work. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, everybody wants to shoot that gun and kill some birds. I mean, oh, absolutely. you know, you don't, you don't, I hate to say, you know, maybe there are some people that do it just for the dog work, but everybody wants to kill some birds. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm a, if, if, uh, and I'm a, I'm a killer. I like to, I, I like to kill birds, like to catch fish, shoot, you know, I, I like to, I like to fill up the freezer and, uh, but I mean, I like to abide by the, the limits and the laws, but, um, you know, those quail, they're, they waste. A lot of them go to waste right. in these woods. Um, well, not waste, something's eating them, but, you know, we lose 80% of, of your population every year. Right. To predators and whatnot. Um, so 20, you know, by about only about 15, 18% of your birds, you know, next November, this coming up November, well, about 15 or 20% um, of that hatch will be alive again the next November. Right. Um, so they're very prolific. They, uh, they multiply very quickly um, in the good conditions. So when you get on this WMAs, Kill, them, kill all of them you can, man. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? And I, I feel that, man. Maybe I'm just uh, been reading too many damn uh, uh, Robert Whaley books. I don't know, but I just, I'm just kind of like, nope. I mean, and again, I, I like shooting birds. You see what I'm saying? Like that's cool. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't mean to tell you to go to tell you what. I'm not trying to tell you what you're doing wrong. You go do whatever not, makes you, you happy. Do what you want that, to, yeah. That, if that means going down there and. You know, you bought, you paid your hunting license, you paid your WMA fee. If you want to walk out and shoot your blank pistol, go for and it, and that makes you happy, then go for it. But if you want to get out there and shoot an automatic twelve gauge and kill every single one of them you can within the legal limits, you know, of the law, but that, that's what makes you happy. Go do it. Go do it. Just make sure it's legal. And and, and again, it's what makes you happy. I um, I guess I get caught up into this whole bubble of just trying to make sure um all aspects of everything are perfect and that might be a little bit of the athlete in me too and you you played mm-hmm. sports and you know that like every day you're getting out there and you're fine-tuning 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 like working on a dog to me is is almost like working on a car and i've never worked on a car before but i've seen guys that do it and they're always you know inspecting something they're always trying this trying oh, yeah. that you know and for me Wild birds is is the 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 tune up, you know what I'm saying? It, it's it, not even the tune up; it's the test. Yeah, that's right. That's it, your racetrack. That's your racetrack, and and the tune up is what I'm doing here, and and all kinds of stuff like that, and just making sure, um, you know, he's he's intact. But you know, nonetheless, I I like the fact that you said that Melrose, you guys are, you know, for the most part purists. Like y'all don't just keep shooting into coveys and things like that, um, and. I kind of want to give while I while I got you. I want to give a little bit of a day in the life of you know what you know what it looks like for you sun up to sundown. You know, uh, you know, being you know managing a plantation, um, managing dogs and things like that. So day in the life. Let's let's start from the from sun up. Oh man, that's a long day. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'll say I'm not I'm not I'm not the manager yet. Uh, you know, hopefully everything works out and. 
um, God's willing, I will be um, soon, hopefully. But I'm the dad calls me his assistant manager. Okay. But we all work, to, you know, we all work together on on everything. Um, you know, it, you know, it all depends on the time of year. Um, because you know, dog trainer is my primary responsibility. Right. Um, but I have to share it with the woods too, because we, you know, we're pretty, we're, we're, we are understaffed here. Um, you know, we got 3000 acres and there's three of us. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and one of those three is the, is the dog trainer. So he, so I can't be fully, you know, sun up and sun down just on the woods every day. I've got mother responsibilities and, uh, and, and then the other one of us, dad, you know, he's the manager. So he spends a pile of time in the woods, but then he's got to do the administrative side of it too, you know, especially now that we're with a, a board, he, you know, he's got to meet with the director for this, that, the other thing is that takes a lot of his time now, but we make it all work. Um, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, we'll just run through the year kind of quick, you know, July and August, you know, get up there, you know, early 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 because it gets hot quick and try to get the kennel and everything taken care of you know um and then get puppies out and if i got little puppies mm-hmm. you just had a litter um, too yep just had two 11 litter. two litters two, two litters, litters 11 yep. pointers seven labs yep. um um so you know in the summer you know i'm walking puppies you know try to walk them every single morning um you know while it's still cool um and then bring them back and um, let them cool down and get them fed. And we feed in the summer, we feed up in the mornings cause it's just so hot by the end of the day, mm-hmm. you know, it'll still be 90 something degrees, you know, two hours after dark. Right. Um, and then I'll get, um, you know, start taking, you know, young dogs, um, you know, out in the yard, you know, wood breaking, yard working, um, if I'm doing any kind of pigeon work or any kind of that out in the yard or the garden, do some of that. Um, you know, work my retrievers, whatever. I'm, if I got young retrievers, I'm working. Um, get that done in the morning, and then, you know, after it gets hot, <clears throat> middle of the day through the afternoons, I'll, you know, get out in the woods and, you know, whether it's working roads or fixing a pasture fence or, you know, whatever. Right. You know, whatever the whatever duty calls for that day. You know, feeding birds. You know, we feed birds uh, every two weeks year round. Um, with a tag along spreader behind a tractor. Um, so that, you know, so that's what I do. You know, I'll, I'll do some of it in the, you know, in June, but then, uh, I really get hard on the yard work in, you know, July and August as far as woe broke, you know, stuff like that. Um, so I can have them ready to go to the bird box come September. Right. Um, then, you know, I'll start roading. <clears throat> I'll start roading my field trial dogs in August. Um, starting getting them shaped for some of the October trials, and you know, I'll, I'll be, you know, I'll get, I'll, and I'll start, I'll rode them in the dark because it's just so hot and so humid. Right. Um, and then get back with them about the time the sun's coming up, and take care of the kennel, and do my yard work with my pups or walk them. And then you know, about that time, we're starting to mow out the edges of the bottoms in the woods we call it rim in the bottoms you know we've got a big creek drain that runs all the way through the property and a big horseshoe yeah so all the little fingers off of that will mow a double wide um lane with bush bush, uh, bush hogs yeah and that way you know if you got a dog and you're hunting and they get to the edge of the bottom they can hit that trail 
and bring them on around the bottom and it, it'll kind of keep them from just going off into the bottom so um but also it gives it's a good mark for your man on the tractor to know all right this is where i'm going to turn around now while i'm blocking right um give them a place to turn around um and you know coming through september um you know, I try to have, you know, I try to get my birds in my bird box, you know, back, you know, the beginning of August, early in August, so I can have them ready to start using, utilizing, you know, at, around Labor Day or shortly after. And I'll start taking puppies and, you know, derbies over there and start getting them broke around the bird box in the mornings. Um, and then, you know, we'll start blocking in September, which is that grid checkerboard pattern you see in the woods down here. Mm-hmm. Um and come in October, you know, I'll start uh, roading my hunting dogs too, trying to get them ready for um, hunting season in November. Start running some, actually running some dogs in the woods, some derbies and, and field trial dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, now we've got a lot of spear grass, which is really, really Terrible. hard on me. Yep. It's really bad that time of year. So now, do y'all, how do y'all get around that, man? Because, like, that's a, a pretty deadly thing can be a pretty deadly thing it, for a it dog. can be deadly yeah. it can be deadly um well we try to wait i try to wait just as absolutely late as i can you know in the year just before i start actually putting dogs in the woods running them because of that mm-hmm. um but you know if you're gonna go run at a field trial in october you, you can't you gotta run them you gotta run them a couple times right um and uh but you know we keep <clears throat> i keep um four set i guess they call forceps yeah mm-hmm. keep two pairs you know with different angled um ends and forceps in my saddle bag and um some white like cotton gloves that would be like uh what you'd see like for dusting like dusting gloves yep um and Every time I get down to water a dog, before I pour any water in their mouth or on them, I, I check their ears, I check their nose, I check in their mouth, their eyes, um, before I give them water. Right. Because if they got it in their mouth and you give them water, they're just going to swallow yeah, it down. And, swallow it and it'll kill and, them. And you don't know where it's going to end up. It may end up in their liver. You know, we had a dog get hepatitis. Um, really? And they... And, you know, they checked it out and they believe it was from uh, probably a grass seed that um, he swallowed most likely. And after being in there long enough, it worked its way into the liver and then festered up in there. Um, and I've, we've, I've seen them, you know, way after the spear grass is gone. This is just tell you how long it's been in them. Um, you know, you get a knot. I had one uh, dog. She had a knot on her side, on her ribs. Yeah. I was like, that you know, I was worried, you know, some kind of tumor. And uh, so they went in and biopsied it and checked it out, and there's a grass seed in it. And it, more than likely, she swallowed it and got inside of her, and it just worked its way because, you know, there's little barbs on there. It can mm-hmm. go forward, but it can't back out, and it worked its way. The body pushed it out and got out just under the skin and festered up, and she was okay, but... Wow, um, man. And you know, try and it's tough. And you know, sometimes you'll see them. You know, you'll you'll see. You can tell if a dog gets it in their ears because they'll be holding their ear different and they'll be shaking their head a lot. Mm-hmm. And you got to get to them quick because the more they shake, the it's just it's wiggling it more down. Yeah. So if you can go in there and get it and hold them still and get it pulled out and get the tail in the head, that's a big help. But sometimes you just can't get it out. Right, and that's what them and cotton gloves cry. for. Um, well, the cotton gloves are getting them out of their mouth. I'm sorry. Um, 
is, you know, it gets in their mouth and it's covered in saliva. And it's like, uh, have you ever tried to pick a, pick an eggshell out of a bowl of eggs that you just cracked in? Oh, yeah, it's you just, terrible. You just, you just can't get your fingers on it hardly or mm-hmm. a spoon, it just slips out. Well, that's how that spear grass is in their mouth. You just can't. You grab it and it just slips out. Right. But because of those barbs, you can take that cotton glove and either whether you put it on or just hold it in your hands and just you know stick it in their mouth and swab it down back in those cheeks, it's going to stick to that glove. Right. So that's what that glove's for. Right. The forceps are for getting out of their ears. Um, if it's in their eyes. If I can't get it with that cotton glove, I don't. I don't. I don't. I try not to get those forceps around their eyes. Right. Um, if it's where you can't get it, you just got to take them up with a vet. And they can usually um, get in there um, and get them out. They got some some good instruments for that. Right, right. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's tough on them then. <clears throat> but um, so then, you know, so that's October. You know, we're still blocking, and I'll start, um, um, like I said, roading some hunting dogs, getting them ready to go. Um, not real intensive rodent for them. They only need to hunt, you know, 30 or 45 minutes of brace. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, quail season comes in in November. So I'll, I'll still be rodent field trial dogs and <clears throat> I'll take some, I usually like to take my hunting dogs to the bird box at least once, even though they know just, it's just a good little, like you said, a little tune up just to, Hey, you remember, remember how we do this? Right. And then I'll try to run them you know, in the woods at least once before hunting season, just to knock some rust off. I, I'll try to run them a couple of times if I can, but at least once. Um, and, you know, blocking, we're usually still blocking through the end of November, uh, trying to get everything done. And and that's, and then November, December, January, February, that's pretty pretty much what I said carries through, you know, road and field trial dogs, hunting, <clears throat> working in the woods, you know, feeding birds. Uh, March, March comes around, um, you know, and field trialing all through there, you know, when, when I can. And then March comes around and quail season's over and we get those last couple field trials out of the way and it's puppies as hard as we can go um, every morning running them in the woods. Um, and, and if you got some derbies that you didn't quite get broke, you know, finishing them out if you can, but it starts getting green. Mm-hmm. And as things get more green, it's a lot of it's tougher to smell. I mean, you think about, you know, when it's dead, there's not as many smells in the woods, but right. when they're starting, starting to get green and they're running through there and it's all herbaceous and, and the, 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 the scent on the quail is changing too, because they're shifting into nest breeding and nesting mode. Right. So, um, I try not to be real hard on a, on a derby that I'm trying to finish up in the spring like that. Right. If they're not quite there yet. And I may even, just say, all right, you know, we're going to start going backwards and I'll just finish them in the fall. But that usually they're finished before right. it gets green. But on occasion, you get some like that. You get some and it does like yeah. that. I, uh, I was always wondering about that. Now, you know, you talked about two. Di- all right. So we're, we're talking about puppies, then moving into derbies and stuff like that. Now, what at what point do you say, OK, you're going to be a hunt dog. You're going to be a, a field trial dog. Like what what signs do you do you have out of a whole litter of puppies? Oh, <clears throat> well, you know, you'll have signs all on the way from as soon as you start walking them, just, you know, you'll see some that just maybe, maybe they, you know, maybe they don't want to stand to your feet more, or maybe they're scared of stuff, or they get scared of the, you know, they get spooky around things, um, but then you'll see some that they just stand out, 
Right. Just like watching a tryout, and you know, athletes, they'll, they'll stand out, the good ones, mostly. Maybe they run a little bigger. They naturally hit the bushes. Um, you know, you'll see them. Some will just find, even as puppies, will be a clear, you know, better bird finder. Right. And, uh, and you can't even tell that they're really – a better bird finder as far you can't really look until oh yeah they they really know what they're looking for they just seem to get into a lot more birds right um, and you can but you can tell some are just running and some are actually out there hunting um and then you know when it starts you know when i'm running them in the fall before the fall derby start you got an idea by then of the couple pups that you're looking at um because you've seen them point birds you know, they're not broke yet, but you've seen them, you've seen how they look on their birds. You know, do they have enough style to go be competitive? Um, you know, are they handling and are they running big enough? Right. And so you'll take your couple that, you know, um, you know, I had, you know, I had two derbies coming into this fall that were field trial, um, prospects and, <clears throat> um, one just really outshone the other and the other one kind of started shutting down a little bit. Um, not, and it was before I started putting pressure on her. She just stopped running quite as big. And, um, you know, I kept pushing her, you know, and, uh, you could just tell she just settled into her whole hunting dog pattern. That's all she was wanting to do. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. Um, but mother Derby, he wanted to run. And as a puppy, he, I mean, and as as a spring puppy, I had to put chains on him to keep up with him. Yeah. (laughs) And that, that was Bill. Um, which I don't, I don't think you got to see him run, Mm-mm. but, um, I didn't, I hadn't, uh, no, I did. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of a different dog. No, I did not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, now you had, he, you had Bill at, um, who'd you have at Rocky Creek? I had Bill. I had Bill. When okay. I just, I just missed. Man. Okay. I missed his race. I was up helping uh daniel get set up with stuff and i missed bill's race so yeah, yeah. um so, and let's matter of fact while we own there like let's let's kind of talk about that man um because i would like to know your your thoughts on how he ran that day i mean i know we you know talked about it a little bit some but just for the listeners man like on a you know rate that that performance that day oh he was uh uh, he had he had the ground race of the stake um, of the Derby stake. I have no question about. I saw every brace. Um, he had the best ground race by far, um, but he, he didn't have any bird work. Yeah. Um, you know that was mostly edge country. You know that property had a lot of edges and mm-hmm. man, he, and he, he didn't have a perfect. I'm not saying he had a perfect race. Um, you know, most derbies aren't going to have just a perfect race, but that's what you know, the young dogs you're developing. But, um, but, you know, after we turned, we turned him loose and he, he never hit me in the face. You know, when I, you know, he never was coming back. Yeah. He was never going back. He was always going to the front. Um, and stayed with me, you know, handled and took those big field edges and just, um, you know, there's one great, that one great big field. Mm-hmm. Um, um, that we we swung around. There was like an island on the right. We swung around yep. it, yep. and then went into those woods um, where you took that picture of me holding that setter. Yep, it's that great big field. I mean, he took that whole edge. That that had to have been a you know eighty acre field at least, mm-hmm. um, ninety hundred maybe bigger than that. When they get that big, it's hard for me to really guess. But 
Um, it took several minutes, several minutes for to get all the way around it. Right. And he never, he never came off the edge. He like a little tic tac <laughs> <laughs> running out yeah. there. Uh, and he's a big dog. And um, yeah. you know, I was proud of him. I, I thought he, uh, I thought he could have been in it. If I was judging it, I probably would have used him as third place. Okay. And, and used uh, two of Jim Tandy's dogs as first and second place. Yeah. Um, he had two dogs that did not have the the race that Bill had but had a, a more than sufficient race um, for sure. And, and both had actually broke bird work. Right. Um, so I had, I had one of his dogs as a, I don't remember their names, but I had one, one of his dogs as the clear winner. Um, and another, his, one of his other dogs is second and, and Bill probably third. Yeah. Um, just based off a of race. Bill. Okay. Um, okay. Because, um, you know, cause they're derbies. You can, you can, you can play some derbies just based off race because you're really looking at potential um, to go win a championship. Right. Um, and this was an open derby. Right. Um, and and that's why I say, you know, some people might say, well, if he had that good of a race, then why didn't he just win it? If you can play just based off race, but it's an open derby, so that it can be, it can qualify for all age or shooting dog. Right. So these other two dogs, Jim ran. You know, they didn't have. Okay, Bill ran an all-age derby race. They ran more of a, you know, a shooting dog derby race. Mm-hmm. And, and in my memory, this is a couple months back now. Right. Um, but that's fine because they because that trial could qualify them to run in a shooting dog championship as well. Right. Right. Well, um, but of course they didn't place any three of those dogs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They didn't. But you know. Um, and, okay, so and and I know I gave my recap of Vegas on a couple of episodes back, but you know I really like to get your thoughts on Vegas, right? Because you definitely helped me out a great deal um, when we first got to rocking and rolling, and I ran against um, your buddy. Um, mm-hmm. I ran against all with Jake. So you know, what is your critical feedback before we kind of move into some of the other questions? I mean, we talk all the time, but let's get it on the record. Um, which, which, you know, since I was, I was scouting for Ben Stringer, your, right. your brace mate here running with, um, he's run dog with Jake. So, um, after, you know, we did get separated the, for a while yeah. when we got, when y'all got separated, you know, I was not, <clears throat> I couldn't really tell what was going on much with you, right? but, um, you know, you had some, bird, you got, y'all pointed right there. You had bird work, um, on that fence row, <clears throat> you know, y'all both had pointed and there were birds, you know, and some of them, you know, went on and flew down the fence out of sight. And some of them just kind of kept pitched up the fence just a little ways. And and there was that kind of a little bit of a chaos. If if you, (laughs) that may be an exaggeration, but you know, when they got, they got kind of, they kind of got caught like physically caught in the fence, you know, and y'all were trying to get, get, get through the fence without getting caught yourself and get your dog (laughs) and get them back, you know, um, you know, after y'all flushed the birds and, and, uh, and, and, and knowing that maybe you didn't know that maybe, I think I tried to let you know, maybe I didn't tell you clear enough, but, and knowing that some of those birds had just sat down right there mm-hmm. near, nearby and all that kind of chaos, I've just gotten out of there. You know, yeah. you got your, you got your find and it was broke and it was pretty and it was good. Um, I'd have got him in the collar 
Um, and I did get him. I did get Vegas in the collar. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you. You I, was did. Both, I was scouting both dogs for about 10, 10 to 12 minutes. Uh-huh. You, you <laughs> and, did. Uh, and, um, and, and I let them on up the fence a good ways. Um, and I just got them out of that situation. Um, it's all together. More, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he tried, you know, and he tried to kind of, which there were birds there. So, and he, you know, he kind of went back on you and got pointed again. Yeah. I think is that am I no that, that right? was that was what happened so that moment actually scared the piss out of me because at and this just goes to trusting your dog I mean Vegas did what his nose was supposed to do which is find a bird and, and hell go to point um mm-hmm. there was a bird there and then remember Ben's dog ran up a little bit a little ways too and then we ended up having another point from him Mm-hmm. They got they they split after that first little jumble up or whatever. Um, we were we pulled the dogs out, let him go. You let Vegas go and then and and let um Jake go. They both had a, a, a their own separate points. And Vegas one bird. I didn't even know a bird had flushed out. And the folks from the gallery was like, "Oh, bird flushed." And I was like, "Okay, boom, boom, bam, shoot." Yeah, that's right. That's yep. right. And then Ben had a fine too. I was scared that Vegas was like maybe false pointing or something. Cause I was like, damn, like why are, <laughs> why do we keep getting hung up in here? <laughs> yeah. And like I said, you can't, and the judge should not fault the dog for pointing a bird. I mean, obviously you can't fault the dog for pointing a bird. Right. Um, but yeah, I think, but yeah. And that's, and, but if, but like I said, you didn't know there was a bird there, but there had just been sent there. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'd have, you know, I probably would have just, Gotten them and then took them on out, got them out of there. Just all the way off that line. You and know, just, especially because yeah. if you just had to find, you know, how far, how many yards did y'all get it down the fence? It wasn't 20 yards. I mean, yeah, I think I probably let them 10 or 15 yards yeah. and then turned them loose. And, he, and you know, they and went right again. back to point. It, it, could, I, it couldn't have been 20, 30 yards, man. Yeah, you know, and in a wild bird draw, for sure, I would have got them in the car and carried them on. Right. You know, you know, get my hand in the collar and taking them on up three or four, you know, more blocks and then mm-hmm. turn them loose. Um, but it was, you know, there were probably were birds there on that fence line. Cause I'm sure they've been throwing them out there all weekend. And, mm-hmm. and, you they, know. and they had, um, and it was your, you know, that was your first field trial. You didn't, you know, you didn't really know better and you were excited and, Yep. You know, nerves nerve get you. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not really faulting you for anything you did there. Oh, yeah. Well, and I, I well, you said one thing that was good. You like, look, just wail on that whistle. Just hit it, hit it, hit it, yeah, hit it. Yeah, because I knew he hadn't really been running hard. Right. I mean, he was, he was hunting hard. He hadn't been really pushing to the front hard, mm-hmm. and I knew that's what it was going to take. Right. And it worked. Um, it, it really did. It got him up there until we got hung up again. Um and it, it was another situation. It was just when Ben was coming out, because we started to catch up with y'all. Um, and then Ben was coming out after flushing in this little, uh, this little green, real, real, real green patch. Like kind of you come around this bend or whatever, and it was to the right. And y'all were coming out, and we were coming in, and Vegas went, went in there too. Next thing I know, I'm like, God damn, the dog is being a jerk. Goes in there, locks up, and that's when Lane um, and Darcy were scouting. Lane Hodges, Darcy were scouting for me. Yeah. And Darcy was like, "Throw your dog's point." And I was like, "Oh, okay." I go in there. Sure enough, birds get up after you guys had left. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There were still more birds in there. Mm-hmm. And then, um, 
then I tried to take him out, and the horse, I, I, that horse that I was riding was tired. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so started kind of acting funny on me, and I was about dang fell off. Um, and so once we kind of got there and started going around, Vegas kept swinging back into that little, um, back in that same little area. And then again, another bird gets up. So yeah. it was, it was just, it was like, it was almost like it was, it was just a whole lot going on in one little area. Um, and then once we got out of there, we were, we, you know, we were off to the races and I asked, um, I asked the judge, I was like, well, what'd you think about it? And I, and he was like, well, hell you had bird work. He just needed to stay forward. So that, you know, and, and we've talked about this a lot, like that has really been something that I've been trying to harp on him front for, ever since that trial is is keeping a keeping him forward like yeah dude stay ahead stay ahead and he, he's been doing all right with it you know yeah and, uh, and I, I think i told you when we talked about it earlier um you know you can't win a trial you or you only want a trial in the front you can't right. win it from coming from the back so yep. you know it could be and I, you know i've seen people do it and you know they get separated mm-hmm. and they have a find and and then they just they turn their dog loose and they just start like running it again you right. know right and and then they have a find and you know but you're in the back right. you were in the back you need to go do that in the front um mm-hmm. so i mean what some judges will do um i know what my father would do um you know you got a dog that points you know another dog nothing you're gonna get separated at least a little bit um, he goes and, you know, they flush, they shoot, or, or they have an unproductive, whatever. That when that event is over, um, he'll usually, and he sees the man's got his dog, turn and canter back to the front. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the handler should bring his dog back to the, all the way up to the front, too. Um, and then if he calls point again, because I've been, you know, had my dog at heel trying to catch back up from a fine, and the dog wheels around and points again. Right. Well, you need to get, you know, so I got, you know, the judge would, but I, the judge was running run along right there with me. So he saw it, turn around, keep the birds up, shot the gun, and healed back, and, you know, got her healing. But he could tell we were trying to make, we were trying to get back in the front. Right. Um, you know, so, you know, if, so let's say dad left, got back in the front, and they called point again. As it's, and he's the judge, it's his job to ride back there. Um, so he's going to ride back there and, you know, watch him flush and, and shoot or, or not shoot if there's no birds, but then he's going to tell them right then you need to bring your dog to the front. Right. Because um, you, you can't win in the back. So I would have, <clears throat> um, you know, yeah, Vegas went in into that gold green patch when you were coming. You were, you were on the way to the front. Mm-hmm. You know, you were, you were doing right. And he went in there and you couldn't help that. He went in there and got pointed. So, yeah, go in there flush shoot your gun and then i wouldn't have let him had an opportunity to get back to go back in there hunt i would have got him in the collar and taken him out of that thicket all the way out to the edge of that field right and then let um darcy or lane hold him and you get on your horse and start you know and take off and as soon as you take off hit your whistle right and or say here and get him coming with you getting out of there so that way you can go get caught back up right right that that was a huge learning lesson for me. Um, oh yeah, there's going to be a lot more. <laughs> of course, I learn something every time I turn one loose. <laughs>
All right, guys, speaking of learning lessons and just things that we need to pay attention to, guys, I want to encourage you guys to go learn the landscapes, learn about, you know, new spots and things like that by going and downloading the Onyx Hunt app today. Use my promo code GDN20 before the season starts and go get you some new spots today. Thanks, guys. Check back soon. I guess going into one of my other questions, man, like, you know, are, are we being honest with the dog? So this, and we never really finished this conversation when I called you that day. And I was like, you know what? I think Vegas might be a better walking dog than he is a horseback dog. And, and I'll find that out more with experience and more that I do both, but I'm the type of person that I'll look at what I got. And this comes from athletics and things like that. Look at what you got and look at what you're made of, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, are are we as handlers, you know, are are, are we evaluating dogs correctly? Like, are there? Do you know of any instances where people might be like, "Ah, oh, I want this dog to be this," and you kind of looking like, "Man, that dog, ain't <laughs> that dog ain't really gonna do that." He might be a good hunting dog, but you know, like, how are what have you seen in that aspect? Does that make sense? Yeah, I know what you mean. <clears throat> well, you've got, um, we touched on it just a little bit last time, you know, some of these pro trainers <clears throat> um, that are on the circuit that are, you know, they're not hunting, they're just they're field trialing. They're field trial handlers, right. trainers. Um, you know, somebody comes up to them and says, uh, Darrell, I got this this shooting dog, and uh, I want you to field trial them, you know? And you say, all right, well, this is, you know, it's this much a month and plus this fee or whatever. And you cover entry fees and they say, okay. And the dog goes on your truck, you know, you, which you're probably going to look at the dog first, but, um, you know, if they want you to field trial them, you got to field trial them. Right. Um, but it, but most, I, I, I would hope most of these guys and they are guys and gals, they're going to be honest with the owner and say, look, this dog's not, it's not going to make it. Right. Um, but there may be some that could make it here, there, um, might slip in, you know, if they're having a good day and everybody's having a bad day, but, um, the, the best trainers are, are going to be honest and try to try to help their owners. If they want to be honest and, and really help their owners succeed, they're going to try to help them make the decision that mm, this dog doesn't need to be field trial and let's find you another one or I got another one coming up. But, um, but then, you know, we've had, um, you know, known people that, uh, and I've got some puppies off of the breeding. Um, well, they're not puppies anymore. They're, I guess, you know, four, four years old now. They just yeah. turned four. Right. Um, and the dog was, uh, you know, he, he placed in some derbies and he he placed in a in a shooting dog stake or two, like a third or something, and um and did a heck of a job at the Masters Open Shooting Dog Championship. I was scouting for the dog, um and would, probably would have won it, but he just lost his style. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on that on, on on that day, he lost. You know, he I mean his in his body in his posture and his tail were good, but he was just looking around, you know, wasn't, you know, really just staunch. Right. Um, and, you know, that dog was one of the dogs that, oh, you know, it's like, oh, you want him to win. You want him to be good because you can see it, you know? Mm-hmm. 
he's just so close. But there's just always a little something that just, you know, keeps him keeps him out of it. Right. Um, you know, either, you know, he couldn't quite put it all together, you know, it's consistent enough to really go win. Right. You know, like you want a field trial dog to go win. Um, and he was a good bird finder. Um, but, you know, he hit you in the face and you it took everything you could, blowing your whistle, turning your horse to try to get him to stop that motion coming to you and get turned around going back in the front. Um, and uh, he, he that was one of his biggest problems was hitting you in the face. Right. Um, now, how do you – now, is that something you can work a dog out of? Like, how do you, how do you go about doing that? You can. There's things you can do. Um, it's a lot easier to, if you can – some of it, they're just going to do it, you yeah. know, just like some people just have habits or things that they do. Um, but um, most of the time you can, you know, when you're developing them, you know, when you're walking them as puppies um, and they're running around out there, this is what I do anyway. This is what I was taught. When they turn and they start running back to you and you're not calling them to you, you, you put your whistle in your mouth and you take off running and, you know, toot, 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 or, you know, whatever, blowing your whistle. And if they don't turn around and go back the other way, you, you, you turn to the right, to the left, a little bit of an angle mm-hmm. just to try to get them to break that straight in angle and get back going to the front. Right. And, and you, you'll see it, you know, they'll do it and do it and do it. And all of a sudden they'll just stop doing it. Right. Or, or maybe they'll turn and try to hit you in the face, but you hit their whistle, your whistle and they turn around and, and haul butt back to the front. Right. Um, but then there's some that even, and I know this dog was developed, right? Cause I know who, I know who trained him. Um, and, uh, and I scouted the dog a lot, um, in, 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 in training and, and in some field trials, but, um, you know, and that was just in between his ears. That's what he was going to do. Right. And he made, and he could make the most beautiful cast, you know, in the world. And then, would finish it by turning <laughs> uh, he'd get to 12 o'clock yep. and, and come and run 250 yards straight in your face yeah. and there's nothing that Handler could do even though he was trying to get him to turn back around Right. That's just and, um, and he just had some holes here and there um, and you know he wasn't a bad dog to breed to but he loved that dog um and uh, he bred to him, you know. Anyway, how um, how the puppies turn out? They got there's some that got some holes in them. Yeah. Um, uh, one of them, one of them uh, is uh, one of the pups is my shooting dog, mm-hmm. um, Melrose Rebel Heart. Um, I mean the, the the dog that we bred to is 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 very well bred. He's um. You know the the sire was by um, Aaron's Braveheart, mm-hmm. um, but, um, and and they bred that dog to uh, a really nice hunting dog bitch um, on Melrose. And um, I think you were telling me about that dog a while back. Yeah, and yeah. got um, and got several. You know, we got got a handful of the pups off of that, and um, one of them is my shooting dog, call her Fanny. Um, and she's got a lot of, you know, she's, she's won some, she, she won the Georgia, Florida, um, handlers trial, which is an open shooting dog stake mm-hmm. down here. She won it. 
last fall. She placed second in it this spring. I thought she won it. A handful of people thought she won it. That's field trial, I know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she placed in three different. She placed in three out of four derbies or derby year, um, and she's done con- good, consistent jobs in um, other in, in other trials. Um, I mean, she's not perfect by any means, um, and she's got and she's got a hole or two. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there's there's very few that are just perfect everywhere. Right. There's going to be somewhere that they lack a little bit. But um, so she turned out to be a really nice dog. She's a good bird finder. She's beautiful. Um, and then my second, um, my number two hunting dog is out of that litter. Um, you know, but he didn't have a field trial race. He did as a, as a pup. I mm-hmm. was really excited about him, but then he just settled on in and he also got, he also injured his knee and that set him back. And I think that really kind of got in his head and slowed him down. Right. Um, but then, you know, so we got those two and a couple more. We ended up getting one, two, and we got five of them okay. on that litter. Okay. Um, we got five of that litter at Melrose. Um, but the rest of them got some holes in them. Yeah. You know, that, that made it tough. Um, and, I mean, they're usable. They're very much usable and, and nice. You know, and they've made some nice dogs. But, you know, breeding to that dog wasn't the answer. Um. But he wasn't bad, and he really liked him a lot. He loved him, right. so he bred to him anyway. Right. And that now, was kind of that, and that was one of the things you asked about. You know, are, yeah. are people breeding the stuff anyway because they're emotional reasons? And I thought that was an emotional reason to breed to. Right. Um, well, well, maybe not the first time. The first time they bred to him, which was four years ago, you know, some of these holes weren't quite show, hadn't quite shown up yet. Um, he was already hitting you in the face and we didn't like that. But, um, but then he bred, they bred to him again. Um, a really nice bitch though. Um, and that's who Bill is out of yeah. uh, my bill. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but I mean, he's got some holes in him, you know, it's just, you, you never know, though. But you never. I mean, the thing because, about I mean, Reno, they, you never, they, could, they could have all lined up because right. I mean that bitch was really nice, right? And she didn't hardly have a hole in her, right? Um, and, and, and so it, you, you got to take you know you take some you take chances every time you breed. You never know what you're going to get until until you got them, right? I mean, and and that's to what you're saying. Like, yeah, that was you know what I I was asking because I'm just like, all right, well, we always talk about breeding up or you know bettering the bloodline and you hear that all the time but you know i also have the dilemma the, the it's a mental struggle and i ask because i try to make these questions as personal as i can first of all like anytime oh. I, I i set up podcast questions and stuff i try to think of my own um mental battles and balances and things like that and i think about a dog like vegas which my only pointer at uh, right now and um, I'm like, all right, would I breed to this dog? And I don't know. I don't feel like I really know the answer yet, but I'm sure that I'm not the only person in, in in this game that's just like, dang, I really enjoy this dog. Vegas is a hell of a dog to hunt over. He's fun as all get out to hunt over. Looks good. All kinds of stuff like that. Got all, L. Hugh, all kinds of thick and thin all the way through. 
but is it really worth breeding to? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, is is it yeah. is it like are we lying to ourselves nowadays? You know, because I know uh, when we talk about old school <coughs> handlers, like I feel like they were a lot less emotionally tied to to dogs. Maybe I'm wrong. I just when I hear stories, they're like, "All right, this dog either was or wasn't." Yeah, well, I definitely think you know, um, animals just in general have become are becoming more humanized. Right. Um, you know, thanks to Disney Channel and <laughs> right. animated films and all that, and just and just you know, um, animals are becoming more humanized and there's more emotions involved in it, even in a professional training level, uh, which I'm, I'm, I'm very much, um, emotionally involved with these dogs too, but you got to be able to still be professional right. and, and make the best decisions at the end of the day. Um, and I don't know if I would disagree with you on saying that they were less emotionally attached back then. You might, you're probably right. It, that, that's the way it seems. I could be totally yeah. off. That's I just, mean, we could, yeah, we could both be wrong, but I don't think that's probably far from the truth. Um, you know, at the end of the day, a, a pro's got to call a spade a spade, you know what I mean? And, right. And, and breed what he thinks is best. And, and, you know, and Vegas may have some things you don't like about them yeah. as far as wanting to breed them to. Um, and because, like I said, no, very, you're not going to find just a, perfect dog right. you know just any you know very often um and you know to go back to this dog i was talking about that they bred to um back several years ago he was no he wasn't the best dog to breed to no he but i'm not and i beat up on him a little bit but he wasn't necessarily a bad dog to breed to right it wasn't a bad one to breed to he just was there we could have bred better is what i'm saying yeah. um and they bred to him but uh but you can take a dog that maybe isn't you know, your perfect dog. It's got some holes, and as long as you try to find a dog to compliment him or her, you know, then you you know you'll probably be okay, and you and then you will be bettering the breed. Right. Um. You know, like Big. You seen Big? Mm-hmm. Man, he he's a hell of a, a dog. Hell of a bird dog, man. Mm-hmm. Um. He's he's tough. He's strong. Um. He can go and go and go. He's got a lot of run. He could have been a he could have been a field trial dog. He had a, a big enough race, and um, but daggum tail. He had a sickle tail. Is well, that he, why he, y'all he, didn't he, make him a field trial dog? Because he ran. He, that I is mean, why. Okay, because he won the the Georgia Florida Shooting Dog Handlers Club trial. So yep, he sure did. You know what I'm saying? But I was like, what's wrong with this dog? <laughs> <laughs> He's just got a sickle tail, man. That just curls over so hard. Okay. <laughs> um, and, and that's why, because, and yeah, you could have gone and, you know, got surgery done on the tail, you know, that kind of thing. You know what? How do you feel about that, man? I wouldn't, I don't, I'm not going to do it. If, uh, how you feel I'm not about afraid that? To, I'm, not, I'm not afraid to do it, but that sucker's got to be worth it. Right. You know what I mean? He's got to be, he's got to have it. And you, and you know, like, man, he could really go out there and kill it. But that tail's holding him back. Right. You know, and, um, and, and by sickle and, tail, and big, I want. Big, big, not necessarily like, man, this sucker could go kill it yeah. and be the best out there. Yeah. But he he could have gone and been at least competitive. Right. Um, 
but that tail is too much. And and into the the tail issue because I know a lot of people talk about that stuff. And, and Vegas had a, a piece of a sickle tail when he was a pup, and now it's so funny his tail is it it's straight and then it'll kind of curl forward just a, a, a little bit right at the top. Yeah, that's all right. And, you know, a lot of puppies are going to pull their tail right. a little more because they just are so excited. Hmm. Um. You know, and that that seems to be, but when the tail is creeping the other way, away from the dog, you know what I'm saying? I think that's where we have to think. But the thing is, I had a lot of people ask me, like, why is that dog, why does your dog's tail look like that? Like, he was, it was, it was sickle for a while. I was like, damn, just get a dog some time. Yeah, you got your little time. You know what I'm saying? Like, but you bring up a good point, man. Like, the, the, the tail thing is, is very much so an important aspect of, you know, trialing, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I guess I, I wasn't looking hard enough when I saw him running because honestly, I was just, I was, uh, um, Stefan grow had, had told me about big anyway. Um, and that's when I had asked you, and this was before the, the, the black trials. And then I saw him and I was like, damn, this dog is really nice. Um, and so I wasn't really looking at his tail. I was just looking at the overall picture. Yeah, well, uh, when he's run, he doesn't. It's not sickle when he's running. He cracks it when he runs. Right, but, but when um, he, I mean, but he went on, pointed, a, on, yeah. on point a number of times, and I was, just, I mean, the point to me, it was it. I I like the dog, you know. Yeah. And oh it, well, yeah, I mean, you can't not like that dog if yeah. you like bird dogs and quail. But well, I, I will say so. His, his, I call his tail a rangefinder because so the first cover he, the first find he had, you know, those birds were out there. They were about, you know, he was at the edge of one block and they were in the middle of the next block up, mm-hmm. you know, so they were out there and they weren't right there in front of him and his tail looked, I saw, I was like, tag gum. I said, I know he's got them. I said, but they're out there a little ways. And yeah. sure enough, they were, remember that the dog came in, the other yeah. dog came in, failed to back in, notch his birds. Right. And, and his tail looked perfect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then if they're, you know, in the same block that he's pointing in, it's going to be curled over his back. And right. if they're right there under his face, it's going to be almost touching his back. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. the closer they are, the harder he pulls it. Yeah. Um, so that first find, they were on out there, so it wasn't, he didn't pull it much. Um, the second find, um, you know, by the time we got up there, the birds already left, so he'd relaxed. Right. Um, and then the third find, he, you know, he, he was pulling a little bit, but not, not extremely bad, but. But yeah, that's why we didn't feel trial him, and, and that's honestly why we never hadn't bred him to this point, even though he's been so good. Yeah. Um, but we just finally, you know, down there, like we got to breed this sucker. He's just too good. Mm-hmm. So we, so what we did, we went and bred to, you know, uh, a bitch that had just a poker straight tail. Right. And um, you know, we'll, yeah. I'll start seeing how they point here in a couple of weeks and <laughs> let you know what we got. <laughs> hey, look, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, man. I, uh, there's a couple of dogs that I get excited about seeing big definitely has, uh, you know, uh, made, made that, um, I, I, I just really liked watching that dog run, man. <laughs> yeah. um, I looked up, I did, um, I knew you're going to ask about them. So I went and looked at, looked at all my hunting reports for the hunting, hunting, hunting reports for the season. Uh-huh. And, um, he found, 
29% of all of our cousins. Damn. <laughs> Which is up from last year. He found 25%. So he's he was a quarter of them last year. He's, he's getting, getting close to a third this year. Right. So, uh, and, and then, all the, right. And then the, second, the second dog, number two dog in hunting string, found 15% of the coveys. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he beat the number two dog by 10%. Dang, dude. And he's, how old is big now? Oh, he's, let's see. It gotta be six. Okay, so and I, I mean, so he's not real loud. I mean, he might be coming up seven now. You know, sometimes you think, well, I looked at his registration papers, you know, not long ago, and he was going to be turning six, and you realize that was three years ago. Look mm-hmm. at those papers, yeah. <laughs> you know. But no, he's a uh, he's. I don't think he's any older than seven. Yeah, you know, yeah, he's he's probably about six. I just I'll be looking at him again soon uh, when I start registering this litter, but. I mean, I mean but he, he, he he seems like he's older than he is. Yeah. Because he's, but he's been in the hunting string since he was seventeen months old. Right. And and I mean, he was he, the top dog then. I was gonna say, and he's just progressively been getting better with age, which is something I like to, you know, like to talk about, man. I mean, we're supposed to have these dogs a long time, and and you don't want to burn them out too early. Big is an example of a dog that has been gradually and progressively getting better and better and better with age. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I mean, that's, I, I, like I said, I liked him when I ran, man. I, I'm, when I was there, I was like, okay, this is, this is cool. Um, so, you know, and in that, when we're talking about, you know, having them on the hunting string, from a young age all the way up till now, I, I did want to ask, um, you know, because you guys do a lot of horseback work, and obviously your horses are very well mannered. If I can't say that a hundred million times, but you know, have you seen more dogs that are probably geared more towards horseback hunting, and do you see it as puppies, or you know, is the expectation that the dogs can alternate between foot and horseback hunting? They can alternate. Okay. Um, you know, it's a, uh, you know, they're all, they all start off on foot, mm-hmm. you know, walking them as puppies. So they're learning to go with you mm-hmm. um, on foot. Um, but you're pushing them. And like, you know, we've talked about before the way I develop where I'm always, I push the whole litter to be a field trial dog. Right. Um, and then the ones that make it, make it and the ones that don't, they hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but you know, they're, they're they they're uh, on the ground with you a lot before they're ever in front of a horse um and then they learn to go with the horse and um you know you get a you gotta you can handle i I feel like you can handle a dog better on a horse than you can walking on the ground yeah because you because you can they can see you so much better Mm -hmm. and you can turn that horse you know that dog you know is looking at you you can turn that horse to the left or to the right yeah. and they're going to, that dog's going to turn, you know, mirror you. They're going to turn left. And I don't mean you got to keep riding the left. You just, I mean, just turn them to the left a little bit and then the dog will turn and go left and mm-hmm. you get back the way you're going. And, and they just pick just, it up. They pick it up because yeah. they've seen you do it so many times on the ground. Right. Um, you know, you, when you, when you're in the yard and walking through pastures and stuff and they can see you good. Right. Well, and I, um, I, I like that, man. And I will agree with that. Um, because I foot hunt Vegas primarily, and it is a pain in the butt to get him to stop looking for me. And it's not like the worst thing in the world because he's he's tuned in with me. But yeah, you know, what I'm saying he'll go out, 
uh, in the piney woods here, I think it's realistic to say that anywhere between 150 and 250 yards down here for a foot hunting dog is is very much so reasonable. You know, um, you can go bigger, but I mean, I'd like them to be shorter than that if I'm foot hunting. Yeah, I, I want them. I want them shorter than that if I'm just hunting on horseback. Um, but that's just hunting, though. You know, right. I want them short. I've um, I've seen Vegas stretch out as far as two fifty. Now, yeah, I, I mean, I let I let them go some. You know, yeah. I let them stretch out a little bit here and there. Yeah, but I usually keep them in keep, keep them, them in closer. Keep them in pretty close. I mean, and that's. I guess I'm I'm like, dang, like I really I want you to stay for and he does. Like I said, that's something that we've been definitely working on, but it's 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 that that fine push and pull when you're walking, like, all right, I need you to stay out there, but I still need you to know where I'm at. And that's where you know, I'm not I'm not the biggest person that get to singing and hooping and hollering in the woods all the time. That's something I need to be better about, but that's just I've just developed a certain style of hunting. Um when I need to turn them, I just do a little singing then but anyway to my point and i'm agreeing with you when i say i i do like horse you know running them off a horseback better Mm -hmm. because i just like being able to see them up there and and i got i did get when i was training with tom hennis and 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 working it's funny the same horse that i used in that trial i trained on with vegas and the horse is a totally different horse which is so funny but um Vegas was perfect. I didn't I didn't really have to worry about him checking in like that. Yeah. And I just really like that horseback stuff, man. Like it's it it, it it's a lot more secure to me. Well, you can see the dog better, the dog can see you better. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really nice. But um you know, they need to check whether you're on the horse or you're walking, they got they need to check in with you. Yeah. Um but you know, when you hunt, you know, and these dogs you know, they you know, when we get down in flush and we relocate, we're basically foot hunting. Right. You know, or I may say, you know what, guys, there's another covey. You know, I walk, these dogs get to walk hunt a lot too. Not, you know, the majority of the time, but, you know, if we have none productive, um, you know, I go, guys, you know what? And I've got some guys that I know I don't mind doing a little walking. I'll say, you know, instead of getting back on our horses and, you know, and all that. I said, let's just stay down and, and walk these dogs up here because there's a covey that usually hangs out, you know, mm-hmm. you know, 150 yards up here. Let's just walk and we'll just walk on them. Right. And they know these dogs know when you're on the ground. Um, and if you get and if they're if they're trying to and if you get on them real quick, you know, verbally, um, and check them, you know, a couple times right quick and make them stay right there close. They'll they they go okay, that's what you want, you know, and and they'll stay with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just, when you want them to go, you just roll on that whistle, let them go, and they, they'll go on out. Right, right. I um, I, I just, I, I wanted to put that in there. That's been my new jam, and and, and admittedly, I have this allure with, with horses, and I have since I was a kid, you know. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um, that's why I, at some point in my life, I need to own one. But um, I just, it's just something very, 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 um, I, I just like the handling off of that horseback a lot oh, better. Oh my god! Um, now, this is um, this is something that I do. I'm, I'm just piggybacking off of some of the conversation that we had the other day because um, recently we've been actually getting into some of the finer points about the culture of 
you know, hunting or of, of field trialing and specifically in Georgia, you know, I, I think that outside of the American field, we've got, mm-hmm. these, we've got these clubs, right. And, and it's, it's funny. I should have clarified it earlier when you said, um, the Georgia, Florida, um, uh, uh, shoot, handlers trial. Handlers trial. Yeah, I was about to say invitational. That the Georgia Florida handlers trial is different than the Georgia Florida shooting dog handlers club. That field trial, which is yeah, the black handlers trial. There's not much originality. I didn't want to get them you, mixed up, but yeah. No, it's. A, I wrote. I wrote down the names of a handful of them. Um, you know, when I, you sent me, you know some of the some stuff we want to talk about yeah. and there are just off the top of my head i could think about it right now there's one two three four clubs that are the georgia florida blankety blankety blank <laughs> now i was like wait don't don't get your words mixed up yeah. um all right so let's first of all let's go through all of them because i even still in talking plain english the other day i'll just say all the red hills trial or or this and you hear the owners trial, the owners trial and blah blah blankety blankety georgia florida blah 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 blah. so let's actually clarify them and and talk about how they might be similar or different than the trials than, than your standard american field trials okay we got the. We'll start with the oldest one. That's the Georgia D Georgia Florida Invitational Field Trial Club. Um, it's a hundred and probably close to one hundred and twenty years old now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the owners' trial. Um, you know, you have to be a member um, to have a dog in it, and you've got to be. You, know, you got you got on a plantation um, to to be in it. Um, and then you have to have membership and I don't know how all that, although their membership stuff works. Um, but, and that's, that's a hunting dog trial. It's not an American field sanctioned field trial. Um, but it's, it's the best, it's the best wagon dogs from mm-hmm. Albany to Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. And you bring one dog and everybody has their, their mules and wagons and they've got, you know, they have a big tinted white tinted lunch. Um, and, you know, that's an old trial. And then um, what branched off of that one was the Georgia-Florida Invitational Field Trial Club Handlers Trial. So they're all the same handlers that were handling dogs in the Georgia-Florida Invitational Owners Trial, mm-hmm. except they're like, well, we want a trial of our own um, where we can actually go run shooting dogs. Mm-hmm. Um and that is an American field um, field trial. Um, it's a, a shooting dog. They have an open shooting dog and then an open derby. Um, and it, it's recognized in the American field, um, middle qualified dogs to go run in championships. Um, but it's not a points trial. Um, and the reason that is because it's a like it's a invitational club. Right. So you have to be in the club to run a dog. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, so I mean, it's, but, but, it, but that's also, you know, and it's in the bylaws. You've got to be, you know, in, 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 in this plantation, in working for one of these plantations or somehow involved with them to be a member. And you, know, you have to be nominated. Um, and now that's you. That's where you're at. That's, I'm, I'm a member of that club. Yeah. Right. Um, and that club's about 60 years old. Um, and, but it also, 
helps these plantation guys that can't run all up and down the road trying to get a dog qualified mm-hmm. um, gives them a place where you know and I mean you typically don't have can't run but you know most people we usually have enough you can run everybody everybody can usually get one dog in um, and then a couple people will run too um, but you know it's it's not designed for you to put bring 12 dogs you know and run right um you're bringing your best shooting dog trying to get them you know get a win and be competitive mm-hmm. but um and that's also why they keep it invitational you know members only mm-hmm. so that because you don't want um you know i'm not saying this negative but you know the tracy you know, george and mike tracy they got Man, they got a kennel full of right. field trial dogs. <laughs> and they're great and, people, and but they yeah. They... And, and, oh, yeah, they're great people. I mean, I, I, nothing negative to say about them. But, um, you know, if they come and enter the dogs and they put, they each put, you know, 12 dogs in it, well, then now these, these you know, these handlers that are on these plantations, they can't put, get a dog in because right. we're, the owners are letting us run on these different plantations. They let us run Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Mm-hmm. So we've only got, you can only run so many braces of dogs in that amount of time. Right. Um, but it gives them an opportunity um, to qual- get, you know, compete and qualify a dog to go run in, you know, the Masters Championship, Southeastern Championship, yep. um, you know, Alabama stuff, you know, Championship, Gulf Coast, because that's all the championships that most of these um, plantation trainers would even be able to get to, right. you know, just because of hunting season. Um and that's if they get one qualified. Right. But, um, no, and that's yeah. that's a big issue. Hell, I'm not even a plantation. It, it's just it's tough to get to some of these out of state trials, man. Yeah, and um, <laughs> and you know, and it's a it's a very competitive trial. Um, yeah. You know, I'm sure a lot of people that don't know much about it don't think a whole lot about it. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a tough trial to win because all of the all of these handlers are bringing their best dog. Right. Um, you know, so you've got to beat a lot of good dogs. Um, not just, you know, there's some, you know, so, you know, when you go to some of these bigger circuit trials, <clears throat> you know, somebody may have 16 dogs that they enter, but only a couple of them really can go out there and, you know, really, you know, really go win it. Mm-hmm. You know, some of them aren't, you know, just aren't there, but, um, you know, this trial, everybody's bringing their best one or two dogs. Right. Um, and it's on it's on all wild birds on the best grounds in the world yep. for a piney woods ground. You know, you can't compare piney woods to the prairie or out west. Oh, it's, it's totally on the right. it's on the best piney woods grounds in the world. Right. Um, you know the the you got the masters on you know in Albany and the national over at Sedgefield. Mm-hmm. You've Those got the two continental. Places, in the Continental, yep. with the Continental, that's Dixie Plantation. They're Dixie Plantation's a member. Uh-huh. Of, you know what I mean? That's those guys. Those are the you know some of the top wild bird trials. And these grounds that we're running on in our club are the same style, same caliber of grounds. Um, so it is a a heck of a trial. Um, and and we've had as many as six current champions in in one running and one in the same drawing order. So. You know, it's not just a bunch of meat dogs. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, anyway, so that. But then you got the the Georgia, Florida, 
shooting dog handlers club. Yep, that's my 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 which, club now. Which you're a member of that. Right. And that's you know com- most commonly known as the black, black handlers, handlers trial. trial. Right. Um, and that's like you you know that's hunting dogs. Um, but they can be you know they're they may be a little bit bigger than your typical hunting dog. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, they, we, we they had a mix. Kinda, it's a mix. You, know, you got some that's going to flop around out in front of you, <laughs> right? Like a fish, and then um, um, then you'll have some that are going to range anywhere between a a, a, a close running shooting dog and a big run hunting dog, right in there, right? Um, and um, and that's got the best lunch of any till probably <laughs> been to. <laughs> Man, look, Neil was not playing about that. <laughs> But you know what, and and to speak about range in that trial, that is why I've been so, I guess, antsy and hell bent about Vegas stretching out some like a hundred, anywhere between 150 and 200 yards. Like, I really want to stick to that. Um, If he could get to that, that'd be great. If you can get him to do it, if you can get him to do that consistently, you can go run in in a shooting dog trial. Because even though this club is called the Georgia Florida Shooting Dog Handlers, it's not Club. shooting it's not, dog it's, it's, handlers it's not, range. It's not the range of an open shooting dog. Right, right. But if I can get him there, I think, I think that I might be in the contention next year. Um, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it, that, that's just my thought. You see what I'm saying? Like I was, I was kind of taking my own mental notes this year and I was like, all right, you know, what do I want to see um, this year? And also, you know, I don't I don't feel like I even really saw Neil really put his best, best, best. And he said it in that ep- in that episode. But, you know, he was working with Lil Curtis, mm-hmm. who he had been training, you know, and mentoring. So and, and ironically, they had just gotten braced together. So I feel like next year that's not going to be the case. You know what I'm saying? I feel like next year when I run, you know, Big Curtis, Lil Curtis, Neil, all of those guys are actually going to really, really, really try to lay down the law. And so that's why I'm kind of I kind of been like, all right, let me start getting him out there now to get prepared for it. You know, it's just some thing some some thinking. <laughs> oh yeah. And you know, you can always you can always bring him back in. Right, right, right. Um but I, I didn't want to interrupt you. It's just one thing kind of piggybacked off another. Um, and some of those dogs at the black handlers trials weren't ranging that far. But then you, you, you know, then you get a dog like big that has the potential to, to, to get out and things like that. So, um, can, but continue. <laughs> um, what were we? <laughs> what we were, were we, we were on the black handlers trial. Okay, yeah, we um, so there's a black handlers trial, and hold on just a second. I'm sorry, good. I was I stepped out to go grab some out of the refrigerator, <laughs> <laughs> you and uh, while you were talking about that, and I stepped away from my notes, but I'm almost back. To them. This is where the, the magic of editing comes in, right? <laughs> this is it. Now, look, you ain't got to worry about that. You do your thing. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, man, I, I want to get. I need to go grab me a beer. <laughs> Shoot, man, I wish I had a my. We on this dang quarantine thing, and I'm out of alcohol. So, uh oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so the Black Killers trial, and then I'm not sure. 
how old this trial is. I've never participated in it, but you've got the Georgia, Florida. I think it's I think it's invitational. Mm-hmm. Um, Georgia, Florida invitational hunting dog trial, mm-hmm. and it's a club, you know, members only, but um, but it's it's not dogs it's meat dogs um and I don't, when i say meat dogs i don't mean like they're a lesser hunting dog it's just a different um, style of hunting yeah just not a feed there's not a field truck not a not a american field open shooting dog you know so the georgia florida invitational hunting dog trial and it's and most of the dogs that are there are the same dogs that these guys ran in the yankee trial mm-hmm. which is when i say the when i say the yankee that's what everybody calls the owner's trial the yankee mm-hmm. trial right um so those are hunting dogs, um, not sanctioned by the American field, you know, it's not, but it's not, <coughs> but don't, but they're hunting dogs. They're not dogs that are going to go run and be, you know, open shooting dogs or all those dogs. Right. Um, and, but there's several members, you know, used to the, the, you know, we didn't used to, there wasn't any, there wasn't a bunch of crossing of members between the Georgia, Florida hunting dog trial and the, and the Georgia, Florida handlers trial, right. uh, which is open shooting dog. But now you're seeing some more, some guys that want to go do more trialing. So they'll go run the hunting dog over there. And the purse is pretty good over there. I've heard. Oh, um, really? Yeah. But they run it on the same weekend as, as my club's trial. So that's one reason I don't, you know, I'm there trying to support my club and, and riding and watching mother, you know, other guys run and help them out so that's why i don't go to that trial okay um, okay the, and uh then you have the albany handlers trial which is hunting dogs but it's only plantations around albany are allowed to be in it but it, it's not a fields. i mean they can do what they want um but um and then there's the Red Hills Hunting Dog Trial, and that's that's open. That's no membership. That's that's, that's they, they have that down here on the Osceola Plantation. Um, Jason Loper um, and Robert Green they put that on down there, and it's open to anybody. You don't have to be in a member, um, but it's it's a hunting dog trial. I think they have a standard. You know, any club can establish whatever standard they want for a trial. You know what I mean? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and so, yes, it's a hunting dog trial, but, but you know, they, they, they want a, maybe a, not quite a shooting dog, but, um, kind of like what the black handlers trial is looking for. They want to, they want a hunting dog. They want a hunting dog that's going to run just a little bit more. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and that's, that's a good purse on that one. That's a good trial to go to, um, to go try to, trying to make Winston a little money, but, um, but you know, but all these trials I just mentioned, you know, on, only one of them is in a is a quote unquote American field trial. But all of them are judged by, to the same standard as far as dog work. You know what I mean? Right, right. So um, it, for those that don't, would explain that for me. Um, you know, except for the Derby stake, which is um, you know they have a Derby stake on the Sunday um, of the the Georgia Florida handlers club trial. Um, you know, they judge that to an open derby standard, but, um, all the other trials and the open shooting dog, you know, the dogs are supposed to be broke to wing and shot and, and back and they have to back. Um, okay. As far as the bird work, you know, standard, you know, they have their own little standards of a hunting dog or a bigger hunting dog, but, 
even though none of them are American field field trials, they all have a very high quality standard for the dog work. Um, they all got a they all got they all they all got a handle and stay to the front, um, and and have broke clean stylish bird work. You know, so so even though they're not American field trials, they're upholding a high standard of quality in the dogs they're looking to play. Right. If, well, if that make, does that make sense? No, that makes perfect sense. I um, you know, I just wanted that to be. You know, a clarifying piece, because, again, when we start to break some of this stuff down, um, I don't want anybody to think that what we're doing down here is is like, oh, we're you know not as good or oh, we're better. Like, no, it's it's just, you know, really, it's I think all of these cubs were kind of developed during a time where for whatever reasons, you know, they were developed. They were at the same time somebody saying, hey, look my dog can run up against your dog and let's see who wins, you know, and, and to do that, you still need a, a high caliber of dog just for, you know, for whatever rights, bragging rights or so on and so forth. Um, and historically Georgia is known for that. And I, I do take a lot of pride in now, you know, getting deeper and deeper and deeper into it and understanding the dynamics of it, you know, it's just something that I wanted to be sure that was clarified. Um, so it's not, you know, misconstrued or anything like that, because the other thing is, um, a lot of folks don't hear if you're not in Georgia and you're not hunting around here, like a lot of people don't hear about that stuff. No. Yeah. And and, you know, a lot, yeah, looking out around here, I was going to say, you know, a lot of people come to some of the bigger championships just because it's, They've been around for a long time, and people just come to ride. But um, and you know, and I left out a lot of other clubs that are down here, um, but that I get, which I guess I shouldn't have because not everybody that's listening to your podcast, you know, follows the American Field. Um, you know, I mean the the Dixie Trace Field Trial Association is an association of a bunch of clubs that are all American Field um, trials. You know, the, the, the Southern Field Trial Club, that's who puts on the Masters All-Age and the Masters Shooting Dog Championships every year. Right. Um, you know, the Continental Field Trial Club puts on the, the Continental. I mean, you got a lot, you've got a handful of other clubs, too. Right. But I, I was trying to shed a little light on some of the more less-known clubs that because right. they're not in the American field. Well, they're not in the American field, and again, they, they are – you know, they are, are what you and I are both a part of, you know, and, and you've been in, in yours much longer than I have, but, and I'm just finished my first year with the black handlers trials. And it's, it's, mm-hmm. you know, even getting in and being able to participate, um, you know, me having to sit out a year, you see what I'm saying? Like, right. that's a very unique mm-hmm. thing to the black handlers trials. I mean, you, you, you got to do your time. And I think it's a good thing. I, I, I think it's one of those things that makes you, you know, it's kind of, um, it kind of weeds out any possibility of, you know, people getting in and not really being fully invested in it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I know like our club, you know, if you, when you get in, you know, you, I mean, it's like, you got to be nominated. And then they gotta then the then they gotta vote you in, um, and then you know we pay dues. It's I can't remember if it's fifty bucks a year or twenty five bucks. It's not a bunch. Twenty five fifty bucks a year, but um, 
you pay them every year that you're in that club, whether you're going a dog or not, you got to pay your dues. And so let's say you leave and you say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm not going to, I'm not going to run a dog in this club trial anymore. And you go away for five or 10 years and you say, no, I got a dog that can win. I want to go back and run it again. If you haven't been paying your dues, you have to back pay all those dues you owe <laughs> before yeah. they'll let you put your dog in. You got to, you know, and, it, right. and it's, you know, the, the, the black owners trial, you know, they, it's, they take it serious. That's yeah. a, it's, it's, it's a real, well, it, that's a well-run organization. And, and I think one of the reasons they do that, you know, year wait is to try to protect, like you said, make sure somebody is really wants to be a part of it. Well, yeah. Um, and, and, and was willing to do what they need to do. And also mm-hmm. probably to keep somebody from saying, Hey man, I got this awesome dog. This guy's going to lend me. Let's go try to, you know, cause there's some serious money. Right. Right. Um, and to keep somebody that's not a member, that's not involved in the community and the culture of it all from saying, Hey, yeah, we're going to borrow this guy's dog. He's going to let us use. It's really awesome. And go down there and win this thing. So speaking of just going to trials and being ready and, just all the preparation that you know i'm going through to get back to the black handlers trials next year i enjoyed it this past year guys i'm feeding my dog yuganuba sporting dog and i expect that vegas is going to be a competitor because of it he'll be fueled up and ready to run ready to rock and roll in front of them good old horses man so wish me luck and feed yuganuba premium performance 3020 blend that's kind of a, 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 a crap thing to do, but there are people that out there that out there that will do that. Um, and it's, you know, 75 a year for us. Um, and I can think of a lot of things that you know, I can do with $75. So if I'm mm-hmm. going to pay it, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm going to do my due diligence, even, you know, up here, being up here in Atlanta, I still try to, you know, for me, I, and it's never been said, but because I'm up here and I'm not able to train with Neil and Curtis all the time, all day, every day, you see what I'm saying? Like, like some of the other guys, at least the, the least that I can do is add the historical aspect and do the document. You see what I'm saying? Like be be a contributor, you know what I'm saying? In, in, in whatever way. And I, and I do take it very serious, you know, it's just kind of one of those things that's like, well, if I'm going to be a part of it for me, it's, it's, it's no different than, you know, my fraternity. I'm a, I'm a Kappa, Kappa Alpha Psi. And, you know, getting into that was a process, you know what I'm saying? And it wasn't, it wasn't cheap to do that. And so, uh, you know, hell I got branded. (laughs) So I I really ain't going nowhere, but, um, you know what I'm saying? It's just one of those things I do like, the culture of um, of of what we have down here in Georgia, specifically in Georgia, you know what I'm saying, and and the history of dog work and things like that. Um, you know, going it's so funny going back into that Ed McFerrier book. You know, he had it's it's so weird. I kind of try to save little things, but you know, before he decided he was going to work dogs, like he was in the the, the armed services, um, and there was a part where he was like, oh yeah, well. I had to go up to Atlanta to Fort McPherson. Well, my grandma's house is right around the corner from that, from there. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's just kind of like, Oh, okay. Like I know what you were doing over here, you know, and just weird little things, man. I take a lot of pride in what we do down here. Um, and I, 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 I you know, and I, and sometimes I feel like we don't necessarily have 
like people are aware of the history that we have down here in Georgia for quail and all that stuff. But nowadays, and, and you can agree or disagree with me, let me know what you think. But nowadays, I feel like we just don't see enough of the Southern aspect of it in a lot of the major publications. I mean, you see it in Covey Rise and, you know, things like that. But even, you know, even Covey Rise, it's it's it still covers like the, the, the more major plantations down here. You know what I'm saying? Right. The, the larger and, ones. And the commercial ones. Then. Right, right, and right. And most right. of them are put out. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, but, and, and, but, and that's but, the truth, but, yeah. Yeah, but to be fair, it's because most of these wild bird places aren't they're private. selling hunts. Right. They're private, right. you know. And uh, and if anybody is, is, you know, they don't need to, they don't really need to advertise, nope. you know. But but and you and they can't sell you you just can't sell as many hunts. Mm-mm. If you if you started really advertising, you, you there's no way you could actually meet all the needs because of the time you have to go in between hunts to keep from putting just too much pressure on these wild birds. Right, right, right. And see, that's the the other thing. You know, what I'm saying like a lot of I, I I hear the argument where guys like man, you you know you hunt quail down there and. You know, and, and and don't you you pay all that money to go down there and hunt? No, man. Like God, no. Like for me to come down here, like I really do have to work to get my dog on wild birds, and they are here. Mm-hmm. The, the average person does not go hunt on these private plants. No, man. That no, is that's no. God, no. I mean, this is the you know. I was I talking to you? I can't remember if I was talking to you about this or not. It's probably you. Um, you know, the, no, um, somebody asked me about, you know, is this the most, you know, like the traditional way and the way like we hunt on Melrose, you know, with the wagons and, mm-hmm. you know, the mules and all that. And yes, this is the most traditional way. Say that one more time, Terry, you broke up. Um, talking about, they asked me if, if the way uh, is the most traditional way mm-hmm. and it it is the most traditional way for the plantation style of hunting right but there's been a lot in you know go back the, the history of the united states and you know and quail hunting there's been a lot more people you know, walking their their uncle's bird dog down the 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 hedgerow between the cornfields, right? Shooting quail than there have been people doing it on a hunting wagon on a manicured plantation. It's just a totally different style, and that most people will never be able to get to see or be a part of. Um, and and now there's just and there's not as much of that. Um, you know, walking and walking your dog down the, the corn the edge of the cornfield and the in the briars and going out to the old farm or whatever. You know, there's WMAs now, but there's just less and less people doing that down in this area. I know there's, uh, I think there's probably more public upland hunting in the rest of the country, um, but just not as much down here. And part of it's because there's a lot of private land around here. And not as much public quail hunting or upland, you know, bird hunting opportunities. Right, right. And see, that's the, 
you know, so funny that I've, I've just got some really crazy looks, man. When I come down there, people are like, you hunt wild birds down there? What in the world? And it's like, yeah, I mean, you got to put your foot to the ground and, you oh, know, yeah. <laughs> but it, it can be done. Um, so, you know, one of the things that I wanted to do, and, and I and I think this will be a good, um, you know, good way to kind of transition, you know, out of the podcast. Um, I really want to pick up on where we left off with the live podcast and, and finish the conversation about um, toughness of dogs. I mean, we covered a lot of stuff, but there's always still more things that could have been discussed. And one thing that we did not cover were the breeds that would be, and we're talking about pointers now, um, specifically pointer breeds, but we didn't really cover what breeds are, I guess are perceived to be a little bit more tougher than, than other bloodlines, not breeds. Breeds was the wrong word. Bloodlines of pointers. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would say, and if you asked anybody that's, you know, really into these, you know, into these, you know, pointers, field pointers, especially, you know, if you said, you know, if you, well, if you ask me anyway, and I think this would be the, the popular opinion, you know, what, what's the toughest line of dogs out there? Um, I would say rebel, um, rebel and fiddler. Um, and most people think would say that. Um, but there's soft dogs in Rebel and there's soft dogs in Fiddler. I mean, there's going to be soft dogs and tough dogs. Right. There's, there's always going to be those outliers. You know, there's always going to be some. Yeah. But, um, you know, the majority of your Rebel dogs. Say that, say that one more time, Terry, you broke up. You know, I'd say say that say that one more time, Terry. You broke up. The majority of your rebel rebel dogs are going to be very tough. Um, You know, and I'm not saying they're all going to be hard headed, very hard headed. And and Miller dogs. I mean, they're all you're going to have hard headed dogs everywhere, Um, but just. From what I've seen, just physical toughness. Um, you know, forget about you know the training aspect of can they take physical pressure or electric pressure? You know, can they take you know me yelling at them or whatever? Just physically, like that gun, rebel dogs. Um, and and one, a, a great example that I've seen is we had. A handful of um, rebel dogs, more derbies in South Dakota one summer, and where we were Hello, hello, hello. There, you, you broke up some. Wherever you are, you breaking up right there. I'm losing you. Losing you, losing you, losing you, losing you. Can you hear me? Uh, Say something again. Barely. Barely. There we go. There we go. I got you. Okay. Okay. So so you were in South Dakota. You had a, you had a a, a line of rubber bread. L. Hughes. Go ahead. So we were in South Dakota. 
Uh, we had a uh, you know a handful of Rebel Bread derbies um, and a handful of Elhu Bread derbies, and they were, you know all derbies, all, all dogs out of our kennel. Um, and um, you know some were you know not just line bred Elhu on Elhu on Elhu, but they got a little bit you know pretty heavy on the Elhu. And the rebel was pretty line bred, you know, a lot of rebel in there. Right. And we're running them, and you know, you think, oh, I see, here's my rebel dog, my Elhu dog go. Um, and that's not how you're thinking about them when you're looking at them, but when you look back at it, that's what we realized was happening. Right. And you, you look behind you, and here's your, your dogs that happen to be Elhu, and, and they're pulling cactus out of their pads um <laughs> yeah. and, you know laying on the ground like oh i can't move um and then you look back in the front and the rebel dogs are just going back to the, to the land and just hauling butt they right. don't care you know man they just they're freaking tough and we had we had to get we had to get booties um from i mean we ordered every kind of booty you could imagine um to cover up the pad you know to put on these feet of those those dogs that were more lhu bred right and uh, they just couldn't take it. They couldn't take that um, ground condition. But the rebel dogs, they just didn't care. Right. They just they were just out there. Um, and uh, you know, we've had LHU scattered throughout all our stuff. We're not just straight line bred anything. You know, it's you you you, you can start making some mistakes doing that and, and getting away from some good stuff. It's good to cross every you know a little bit of this and there in the right places. Um, you know, we got a little bit of Miller, you know, way back in our line, and um, I'd like to get a little bit, you know, I'd like to reach out and get some Miller crossed in here. Um, Miller's got some tough dogs. Um, uh, they're, get, they're really, people are, have really been, re- they were really, really line breeding the Miller heavy, and um, I was seeing some things that thought maybe were getting, they were getting a little squirrely and a little weird. Some of the dogs I'd seen that were real, real heavy Miller. Right. Um, then, um, you said heavy, sure you, somebody, you said heavy Miller and then what now? I'd seen, I'd seen some real heavy Miller starting okay. getting, they were getting kind of squirrely and not quite right. right. Um, still tough you know physically but you know just hard to handle on you know that miller hands on them quite as much right. or at all um they rely very heavily on the belly collar and neck collar um and so those dogs that were making it were a little you know couldn't take it as much and right. you know wanting to roll over and be silly but um Obviously, you look at the American field. There's a suspense winning. There's a lot of champions with the name Miller in front of them. Right. Uh, this even this last one. <laughs> so I'm not going to argue that they're that they're not good. They're great. I want some. I want to get a little bit more Miller in, well, um, in, know, in we, the right proportions in the right places. We just had speed dial win. So I mean, oh yeah, you yeah. Know, you know, I mean, it's it's undeniable what what he's producing now. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, you know, a really good cross that's been hitting really hard the last, you know, handful of years, um, was Miller and Rebel crossover, yep. crossed together. Um, you know, Jack and Fran Miller, <clears throat> which no relation to 
Farrell Miller, I don't mm-hmm. believe. <laughs> I think they were they were they might have done some work with them or something like suppose. Yeah, I mean they they yeah, they do I mean they're you know, they I mean, they know each other. Right. Right. <laughs> but um but they're not the Millers of Miller dogs. Mm-hmm. Um but they uh they bred um they they crossed some Miller with um some rebel and produced a bunch a really nice dog. I'm talking like they were winning. These dogs were going all over the country winning with all kinds of different trainers and handlers. It wasn't just like they had one litter crossed with Miller with Rebel and then a couple of dogs did great. They kept doing it and kept doing it and kept doing it. Right. And have really turned out a lot of good stuff. Right. Um, but, you know, there's some, some, some lines. Then you look at Elhu. Um, they have a lot of positive traits too, but they are just not known as being really tough dogs. Right. Um, you know, you, uh, uh, and I don't know, I'm going to pick that's really big LHU fans. There's a lot of big LHU people out there, but well, I, and I, I'm one of them, but I think it also makes sense to be honest about what you got. Yeah. I mean, I like some, I like LHU in there in the right places and the right proportions and right percentages. they bring good things to the table. Right. You know, are great bird dogs. You know, they got they're great. You know, when I say great bird dogs, they're great bird finders. Mm-hmm. That's a I mean, all these other dogs are good bird finders, but that's one I think. Lhu, that's one thing I think. Good bird finders. You know, really stylish. Right. Really pretty. Really pretty dogs. But you know they're just not, you know, not the biggest running line. And even though there are plenty of them that have run big, just but in general, not the biggest running and um, not the toughest physically or you know when it comes to just physical conditions of what they're being in. Um, and also, you know, they seem to be a touch softer than you know, say a rebel bred dog or a fiddler bred dog. Right. Right. And I mean, and like I said, that's, that is the, uh, that is the, the reality of it. I mean, and, yeah. and if you can't call that about your own dog, then again, what, what are we doing here? You know, let's, let's mm-hmm. not lie about it. Um, and, yeah. and, I, and, and that's not saying that they, the, the dogs aren't, like I said, aren't great dogs. And, and like I said, I have a heavily, heavily, heavily Miller, uh, not Miller, but, uh, L Hugh. Dog, and he's got a very good spirit about him. But when that Joker is running, I've had everybody in the world be like, mm, "As a snakefoot dog, ain't he?" Yeah, down a few generations back, he comes from there. Um, yeah. He's big. He's like a, you know, which I didn't do this math, but somebody that had, you know, his the owner, the handler of the sire, a big litter, you know. Um, was by Elhu Sinbad. Yep. So Biggs, so Biggs' sire is Deacle Sinbad's son, mm-hmm. and his sire is Elhu Sinbad. So Big has got heavy Elhu close. You know, he's got some. He's got some Elhu back in there, and um, you know, Sean Derrick. You know, he's one. I got one of the best breeding programs going right now. Right. Um, and not just right now. He's had it. You know, it's just. Uh, he's got a great breeding program, and he's got Elhu in there. Um, he's, um, you know, so I mean, it, it's well, in there. It, it, Elhu's in there. Well, the thing is, it's like cooking, right? Like, you, you know, you don't want to over season something. 
Add a little bit you of You don't head. want to over salt it, but you got to have some of it in there. You got to have a little <laughs> something in there. <laughs> you know, um, and, and the thing is, when we look at what these guys were looking for in their dogs and these bloodlines, Robert Whaley was not looking for the hardest dog on the block. He just wasn't. Mm-hmm. If you read and, and you know me, I am a book fanatic. I have read Snakefoot twice and this and that. And, and nowhere in that book was he saying anything about a tough dog. He just wasn't. Yeah. Um, and back then, you know, which we talked about it in the live podcast, how hard, how tough and hard you had to be on some of these dogs to get them broke or get them to handle mm-hmm. back, way back in the day. That was a, probably a, a great relief right. <laughs> to have to find a to breed. And he was probably breeding for it. Man, right. let me get something softer. I can get broke easier. <laughs> right, right. And, 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 and to be somebody that is selling puppies, you I think Robert Whaley was, was I, I think we mentioned this too. He, he, he worked in marketing, advertising, something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and, and one of the things you asked earlier, you know, are people breeding for the right reasons or are they breeding them you know, emotionally now? People that are, you know, out there that are serious trainers that are breaking dogs and, and, and selling dogs, they're, they're trying to breed the very best thing they can breed. Right. And that's and Robert Whaley was trying to breed. He was trying to do the what he thought was the very best thing he could do right. for those dogs. And 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 his his work pro- proves itself time and time again. I mean, it does. Yeah. And, 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 and I don't. And I think you know where the Elhe started getting too heavy, and and you know probably started creating some of the fuel safe problems that people would complain about LU dogs was probably not necessarily what Robert Whaley was doing, nope. but he, but he just created such a popular and part of it was the marketing too. I mean, that's a brand. LU right. is a brand. It is a literally you are buying a brand name dog. It's, it's yes. damn near like its own breed. It's like Nike. Like, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, um, you know, and so people, you know, they just were like, Oh, LU, I got to breed LU because LU is, is the best. So they just LQ, 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 mm-hmm. and just rock something Robert Whaley did that made them, you know, is, and, you know, the a lot of it came from people breeding them on too heavy that shouldn't have been. They should have been crossing some other stuff in there. Right. And and see, Whaley was good about outcrossing um, males. You know, he kept his females. Yeah. He, he, out, he was very serious about it. And he says it like, yo, you have, you have to move out. So when he found a good male, he was always looking for it. Again, these are all things that are, are listed in the book. He says, look, I am always looking for a good male. If I can find a good male, then we're, we're good to go. Um, and it's funny. I, I don't know if I ever told you this, but, you know, when I brought um, Vegas down to the Black Handlers trials that first time, um, you know, he was itty bitty. You know, I was carrying him on the wagon. He was a little itty bitty little thing. And um, uh, who was it? it was uh, Charles Parks. You know, he worked up down. At, he he still works for each away. And they got so many dang dogs there. And he was able. Charles Parks comes over and he's like, that dog is LHU, ain't he? And Vegas wasn't, <laughs> wasn't but a little pile of skin and, and, and bones. It just a little, 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 little plump little puppy. And he was like, that dog is LHU. Like. And I was like, damn, how'd you know? He was just like, I just know my dogs. And then I come back few, a little under a year later, and I'm training with Neil and Curtis. 
and we let him go. And they literally pulled that dog's pedigree, like had never seen him anything about his pedigree and was like, yep, he's this. He got a little snake foot here. He's got this. He's just off the way the dog was standing. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, and, and Neil was like, he was like, honestly, that's one of the few LU dogs I actually like. <laughs> he, yeah you know and and that's just that's real like he was like i'm really not that big a fan of this because of certain traits you know what right. i'm saying and 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 i think that's that's a good point to make is some of the newer lhu stuff that people were breeding it, it's just not up to snuff and there will never be another lhu breeder like Robert Whaley, because again, well, there'll never be another technically Elhu breeder because they've, you know, they've made it they've, so you can't even use that name anymore. Right. Which is good. Which right. they probably should have done that a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And that probably would have protected the integrity of the Elhu dogs. Right. And, yeah. and would have, would have helped keep it uh, uh, at a higher, you know, standard of what, mm-hmm. when, what somebody is an Elhu dog. Right. Cause it's been, it's been bred, LQ to LQ so much now that there's not there's not even the same dog anymore. Nope, it's not. Um, you know my my breeder. I, I I look at his pedigree and it's like Pine Hill LQ this, Pine Hill LQ that, and he's going off of the fact that he got you know Gary got Damascus from Robert Whaley directly, so he's able to use those semen straws. But I mean. How, after Robert Whaley died in what, like two? I think he died in like two thousand or two thousand one, something like that. Mm-hmm. We're way, we're, we're way far away from that now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I think it's good that we're talking about this, but you know, Rebel goes back way, way, and I'm still trying to find the history of 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 Rebel blood. Like I'm trying to get the like the start of it. And I cannot find that junk. So if you do. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know. Well, no, well, you know, there wasn't. Say that. Say you that. Know. Say that one more time. You broke up. Well, you know, part of it's just the marketing of Rob Whaley. You know, that's why there's so much out there on Ellie. Right. Right. Well, he wrote books and all kinds of stuff and all of mm-hmm. that stuff. Like, I I am trying my dangest, and I'm talking to Steeple Bell. Um, he does a lot for American Field. Um. Yeah, some of these reporters that have done a whole lot of writing, I mean, a whole lot of writing. Yeah. They, 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 that have, you know, like going back, going way back, mm-hmm. they'll be able to tell you. Yeah. They'll be able to talk to you about it. He, he, I'm, I got so many documents from him that I'm still going through. So, Lord Jesus, man. But, um, you know what? Like, while we were talking about tough dogs and stuff, we, we got into training methods and stuff. And I did not ask you this. It, it, I'm going to branch off the tough dog subject for a second. But was there ever a particular, like, training method or something that you would use, like, learning to train dogs? Like, I don't, I don't, I never asked you that. I mean, you had your dad. I know you've had a hell of a lot of trial and error, but like, how did you, how did you, what, what do you use? Um, you know, I don't really have, I left it to be a, you know, I've never read a, you know, read a book on training bird dogs. Yeah. Um, cause I had dad, I mean, he's my book. Um, you know, I always just trained off of his way. Um, right. That's what I was but, assuming, but I didn't, you know, I didn't know. So, you know, some people talk about the, um, you know, this, this author's method, that author's method, whatever. Um, 
he he he's got the Mr. Matlock and Billy Henley and <laughs> method, right. Rex Hodges method. You know, he right. learned. You know, I, and and he's I know he's read some books. I've seen he's, he loves reading books. I've got some uh, some old bird dog training books <clears throat> um, of his, but you know, he learned more about training bird dogs um, from other people around here than he did from reading a book. Um, right. Even though he read, you know, plenty of them, but most of the stuff he learned came from some of these old trainers, you know, passing it down to him. But, um, you know, um, you know, so my method is, you know, based off of what he taught me, Right. but I'm always, you know, you got to always be refining your method. Um, and, uh, cause no dog is exactly the same as the next dog. And, and, you know, refine your method and adding different tools or techniques here and there that, that can complement, you know, the method you got, mm-hmm. you know, we, we are very, you know, limited use on the, um, I don't, I don't use electric collar a lot. Right. Um, you know, as far as, as far as like the, on the, on the flank, on the belly, I'll, I've used it some in certain circumstances. Um, cause I've had to, you know, branching out on some stuff. Mm-hmm. to try to fix a little problem with the dog here or there that I thought maybe I could help with, like getting one, you know, <clears throat> had a dog that was super, super, super soft. Um, and he just was this late. I mean, from the very beginning, before you even put pressure on him, he'd want to lay down. And um, and I tried, you know, getting him off the ground, just by rubbing him, you know, rubbing him up, trying to make him feel good about standing up. Mm-hmm. And um, that didn't work. And, um, you know, so I put a belly collar on him and on a low setting, you know, he'd, he'd go to lay down and I'd just, you know, just nick him, nick, nick a couple of nicks and he'd kind of, oop, it'd kind of buck him up a little bit because mm-hmm. he was responding from the, from that nick, trying to get away from it. Yeah. And, you know, a couple of nicks and he was standing up. Right. Not hot nicks now, not burning no, him up, just... just low, very low, just a little stimulation. Right. Um, and, you know, but that's not something I use on every dog, but I needed it for him. So that's a, you know, a, some of another method that I brought in into my method, um, little technique. And that's a tool that I'll use now. Some for that, right. um, or I, I had a dog that, uh, was, um, man, she really had the, I thought the whole package, <clears throat> but she was flat, but she flagged, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, man, if I can get her off of flagging, I'll have, you know, she'll be able to, she'll really make something nice. So I put a belly collar on her and, oh, you know, and she, if she started, you know, got on the bench, put a pigeon out there and rub her up. And if she started to flag a little bit, I'd just nick her. Right. And she'd, oh, and she'd tighten up and quit flagging. Right. And then she'd relax and start flagging. I'd nick her. And every time she flagged, I'd nick her. Right. And then that cured that problem. But, um, but, that's again. That's something that's not in my, you know, my usual repertoire. Mm-hmm. But you can't. You've got to. You've got to go outside the box and and try different techniques and some trial and error. Right. Well, you you and you said something. You bring up a very very good part of training, which is flagging. Um, and I I don't think I'll say I ran into that problem with Vegas. He was doing it for a second. You might remember the little videos. He was doing yeah, it for a second. A um, and then he just stopped. I mean, shit, he just stopped. I mean, it, it was just and and honestly, um, 
part of it was Tom Hennis telling me he was like, "Just stop talking to the dog." <laughs> like, yeah, sometimes just, uh, a lot of flagging is man-made. Yeah. yeah, not all of it. Some people will say that all flagging and laying down is man-made. No, yeah. that is not true. Mm. I heard some. I very. I was like, "Oh no, how could you say that?" No, I've seen dogs that have never had an ounce of pressure in their life. Just lay down, want to lay down, right? And and or flag. No, there's plenty of that. That is not man-made. That is just, but, yeah. but but it is also very easy to to man-make. Right, right. And I, and I think some of that might be, you know, a lot of people are like the the, the flagging experts. And I just think I, I've kind of looked at stuff and read comments. And I'm like, guys, it's either it to me. It seems like a couple of things. If you're man-making it, either stop talking to the dog, which was my case. Literally, just let him figure out his own shit, or, um. Too many. One thing I know: the too many dang preserved birds or pen raised birds. Yeah, yeah. Too you take them. You, exactly. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And yeah, that that you know, and I almost created a problem with um, my derby, um, my field trial derby, because um, man, it, it just you know he was breaking out so easy and so good at the bird box. I just kept taking. I was like, well, let me just bring him one more time. Well, I'll just bring him one more time. I'll bring him one more time, and before you know it, he was flagging at the bird box. Right. Right. And so then I couldn't use that tool for a while. I had to just strictly do it all on wild birds. Um, and, and then sometimes I really wanted to take him to the bird box. I couldn't because mm-hmm. I was worried about him going back to flagging and he's over it now. He's, right. um, but, um, that was a man I made. I, that was a mistake that I made, right. um, with him. I'm just, I'm very happy that I stopped in time. Right. Um, because I, I do think with that, there is a, you done gone over the cliff and ain't coming back. <laughs> oh, yeah. You can you can go over the cliff and not come back. Yeah. Um, yeah. But as long as you stop ahead of time, and if you stop in time, you know, I had a, you know, <clears throat> we were talking about ruining dogs with collars and stuff. I had two dogs um, that I almost ruined with an electric collar, um, not, not the belly collar on their neck. And it was because I made a mistake. Um, I lost my temper. And they weren't handling, and she just wouldn't come on and come on. And I turned that sucker up, and I lit her up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, I, sh- I should not have done that. Um, and it froze her up. And it took a long time to get her over that. And, you know, I mean, I'd have to, I ran, I had to run her with other dogs, and I'd just run her every day. And, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't even put the tracking collar on her. Just yeah. had to, with a leather, just her leather collar that she wears every day. Right. And turn her loose, and she'd tiptoe around the horse and tiptoe around me. And so then I had to, I just started walking her, <clears throat> and then she got a little better. And I got on the horse, and even without the electric collar, she'd just tiptoe around. And after a week of doing that and getting around some birds, she's like, "Okay, I'm I'm better now." She went back to hunting. Right. Well, I went to put her on a hunt, and I knew I wasn't going to shock her because <clears throat> I knew it would happen. So I just put the tracking collar on her. And she just tiptoeing around, wouldn't go anywhere, which is tracking call on her. So it took three or four days of, you know, starting over again like I did the last week with no collar on her to get her back actually hunting again. And then so I was like, well, um, I'm not even going to try to put a tracking collar on her this time. And I hunted her the rest of the season with just her leather collar. Right. And um, 
it actually made me look good because because <laughs> because the guests they didn't know that I had messed up. <laughs> they didn't know that I had actually done a bad thing. You know what I mean? They were just like, man. They I had a bunch. Everybody was like, man, you got you don't even have a shot collar on that dog, man. You're some kind of trainer. <laughs> right. I was like, if you only knew, I, no, that's I don't have a shot collar because I made a big mistake. Um, and so I, we, she hunted all season last season with just her leather old collar on right. and um, got her over it. And this year I said, you know, before the season, I said, I just want to try because she started getting bullheaded. And, you know, you just can't run off on a hunt and go grab one, snatch them up by the ear, right. you know. Um, they need, that's just not, that's not the place for that on a quail hunt. Right. Um, and, uh, I said, well, I'm just, I'm just going to put the tracking collar on her and see what she does. I put the tracking collar on her. <clears throat> she kept hunting fine. Okay. I'm going to put the E collar on her, put the E collar on her. She kept hunting fine. So I'm going to nick her a little bit, you know, when she didn't want to handle, I started nicking her. She did good. And so now she's back up now and I can treat her just like any other dog in the string and when i'm calling on her and she's not turning i can you know hit her with the collar and she'll respond in the way you want them to respond right right um but uh you know so you gotta you know some people would have just gotten rid of her when after they messed her up but um but you know and and see i think that's something that is very 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 interesting you know i i always as much as everybody knows, I got every book in, 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 in the library on dog, this history, this story that whether it be training, whether because I just I just like reading not a lot of this stuff I apply. You know, what I'm saying and but I'm curious to know, you know, from you, you know, where does where does the um, but I'm I'm curious to know, you know, where. Where does the, the, the book learning stop, man? Like, you know, everybody in the world's got a training book and a training DVD and, and, and this and that. But like, you know, are, are we going too far down the rabbit hole? Because nowadays not everybody is growing up around bird dogs or plantation. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like, are, are, at, at what point do we say, all right, enough is enough? Um. I don't think you can, you know, I think you've got to, there's got to be something out There's got to be resources out there for these people that are not like me that got to grow up around it, learn from their father or their grandfather or their uncle or whatever. Um, so there's got to be resources out there. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, my dad was a really, really good retriever trainer too. Yeah. Um, you know, he was a guy that had, um, you know, there are not a lot of plantation retrievers that can handle, I mean, like really handle, you know, like a real blind retrieve right. in, in a dove field or on the lake. Um, and he was, he was one of the, one of the first ones around here that was a plantation dog man, you know, bird dog man and manager that had labs that could handle, right. um, I mean, everybody had labs that go mark birds and go hunt dead and stuff. But, um, so he was great at that too, but I, I have read a lot and watched a lot of, um, Mike Lardy's, um, books and DVDs on retriever training just because it's, I mean, he's, 
he's awesome. Right. I mean, he's no, he, above he and beyond. He, I mean, he's you know eight time national champion, I think. Yep. Um, and it's just such a different world with that too. Um, so I mean, you got to be able to find something, and his methods are very different. Oh yeah. Um, than my dad's methods. Um, <clears throat> but they're not so different that I can't incorporate some of both of them into my method for retriever training and, and make them work. Right. But, um, you know, we got to have these resources, DVDs, books for people to go and learn different methods. And cause some methods aren't going to work for certain dogs and some methods aren't going to work for certain people. Um, and then at some point you bet, if they're going to really, they got to be able to figure out on their own too, mm-hmm. that some stuff ain't going to work. And you got to try something outside the box or a different kind of method um, to get where you want to be with a dog. Right, right, right. And, and, and sometimes trying nothing is the best thing in the world. Mm-hmm. As crazy as that sounds. No, it, it, it actually makes a lot of sense. Trying nothing is the best thing in the world. You know, I've got to, you know, just putting a dog up. You know, you having trouble with a dog, put it up for a week, two weeks, turn it back out. And try, you'll be so surprised. Wow. You know, sometimes they just get stale on training um, or need to sit there and get wound up and excited about wanting to go be back out there working. Um, you know, like a <clears throat> case of trial and error and letting, just letting something go. Um, had a dog. Was, <clears throat> I guess it was this past summer, last summer, a year ago. Was uh, yard breaking him. Never had any pressure in his life. He'd been walked as a puppy, loved all on over by all kinds of people, super, super socialized, never had any negative experience around a person. Um, but when you let him out of the kennel, he'd come out and roll it on his back and pee all over himself and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, and I was thinking to myself, okay, he's going to be hard to, he's going to be hard to, to, to break, you know, to what, to what break. Um, and uh, you know, I was thinking, his pee may take the belly. I may have to use a belly collar to get him right where I want him to be, because I don't think he's going to be able to take any kind of popping on the belly or anything like that. So I took him and put him up on the <clears throat> on the bench and rubbed him about twice under his chin and behind his tail. I said, "Whoop!" That sucker just styled up like a bull. <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, here we go." <laughs> And just rubbed on him, and he just instantly styled up and per- and just sat there, and you know eyes glazed over like he was falling asleep. Right. And I mean, the first session, I walk, you know, I was walking around him, throwing pine cones, and he's just standing there. And I was like, "Dang, this is great!" Right. And then I get him on the check cord, and you know, he I'm checking him around, and and I say, "Well, I got to stop him." He just immediately, and I've done no nothing to intimidate him at all on the bench or anywhere in his life. And I say, whoop, and he just hits the ground and comes crawling up to me. And I'm like, okay, and I was picking back up off the ground and go set him back and rubbing him up. And then we move on and check him around the yard. And I whoop, say whoop, and then he rolls over on his back. And I'm like, oh, man, this is not good. <laughs> um, but... When I'd get him around a bird, you know, whether at the bird box or a pigeon on the pigeon pole, which I had not used a pigeon pole until this dog. 
And I was like, man, because I couldn't, I knew that he would stop and not lay down when I said, you know, whoop right. around a bird. Because I took him to the bird box and tried it. I was like, well, I'm not, I can't drive all the way across to the bird box every time I want to do this every morning. Built that pigeon pole and put a pigeon on it. And I could walk him up there and whoop. And he'd stop and point that pigeon. And I could say, whoop. And he'd stand there. I'd style him up. Right. So I never said whoop around him all summer. And unless he was looking at a bird, right? You know, or smelling a bird, um, I did, and I just completely stopped trying to woe him on the check on the check cord in the yard. Mm-hmm. I mean, my, one of my my method of yard breaking is, you know, we we spend a couple, you know, we spend several minutes on the bench, and then we get on then we get on the ground on the check cord, and you know, they 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 quarter to the right, and they get to the rope, and I say eh, and kind of turn them. And they go to the left and say, eh, kind of turn and we walk around like that. And then, you know, I might let them run around the other side of a tree with that rope and I'll say, whoop. And but right before the rope gets tight. Right. And then they hear the command and then all of a sudden they have to stop because the rope's tight. And then you're right there on the ground. And then you can just t- hit a knee real quick and start rubbing them up. Mm-hmm. And rub mm-hmm. them up and whoop. And then eventually you don't have to use the tree. You just say, whoop, and they stop. And, you know, then eventually you don't have the rope. You know, it's just progression. That's how, you know, that's how I do it. Um, that's slick, man. <laughs> and uh, That's pretty slick. Like I'll, I'll show it to you one day. You yeah, like yeah. It. well, and, um, you know, I, I owe you a trip down that way. So <laughs> Yeah, come on. And uh, so I just stopped. Com- I kept check cording Bill, you know, going, eh, eh, Bill, that's my derby, my field trial derby. Right. I kept check cording him. And, you know, teaching them to turn when I, you know, gave them the turn command and, you know, and I'd get on my knees and call him to me and he'd come to me and I'd love on him. You know, I'd say, here, you know, so he wants to come to you when you say here. But I never said whoop at all, all summer, unless he was looking at a bird or smelling a bird. Mm-hmm. And then, and then put him up, you know, and uh, at the end of the summer for a while. And then I got him back out before we went to the bird box that fall. I said, let me just see what's going to happen. We put him on the bench, rubbed him up. He did exactly like I thought he was going to do on the bench. And I got him on the ground, you know, no bird, just check cord him around. And I said, whoop. And then he just stopped and stood there. Hmm. And, and he was woke, and he's been woke broke ever since. Yep. Uh, you know, it's, you know, if, you know, if you've got a dog that is, if something is not working to try to fix a problem and that problem would, quote unquote, you know, be the ruin of that dog, mm-hmm. which I would consider the problem he had being a ruining problem. If I tell a dog, every time I tell a dog, whoa, he lays down and crawls on his belly to me, Just he's ruined. I can't use that. Right. I, you know what I mean? So. She's already ruined the way he is or she is trying something that may not necessarily make sense or may be different outside of the box is not going to ruin the dog if it's already ruined. <laughs> right. Try, 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 try something. It just might fix it. Right. Right. And, and, and that is a very, very, very good note. I mean, because the thing is, uh, you bring up another very good point. Talking about ruining a dog and stuff like that. Well, people toss that whole, oh, I ruined a dog. Or, oh, you're going to ruin a dog. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yes. But I think 
I've, I've read about and heard about and met some very, very good trainers that could take that ruined dog. And they, you just keep going, man. Like it, it's not unfixable. You know what I'm saying? I mean, now you may have something again where you go so far off the deep end where, all right, well, there's somebody out there more qualified than you are to do it. But again, just stopping, taking the time, just stop doing what you're doing altogether. Mm-hmm. Put them up, go think about it, go take a drink. And okay, yeah, it might be ruined for that specific amount of time, but you bring up the good point of, look, just either don't do something, and by not doing something, that should give you the space and time to create just a new avenue. And right. that, that, that's using a different word. It's going about something and moving totally away from it. You know what I'm saying? I, I had this, uh, this one student, man, like, and it's kind of similar, but... This joker, I assigned a project in class and this joker was like 0 for 2 <laughs> in terms of like getting a project. And I was like, you know what? And he was like, well, and he kept going. He's like, you know, Mr. Smith, do you want me to, to to try something different? You know what, man? Nope. Don't even do it. Just let's just move on to the next. Just a completely different assignment. And I would always think about that as far as, you know, my own dogs. You know, I was like, okay. What do I need to do to um to just to get what it was? I told you the other day I messed around and 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 got on to Vegas a little bit too hard, you know what I'm saying? And and trying to get him to um to you know stretch out, stretch out, stretch out, and stop standing, you know, stay in front of me and all of this stuff. And in the process, was end up killing his spirit about running ahead. Mm-hmm. And yep. like you just. I can just stop. Just stop. I just let him off for 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 a week. Just didn't do anything. Okay. And we get back out the little trail that I got. And I just let him go. No e collar. No any of that. Just let him. And then Joker took off and flew. There you go. But it's just one of those things where sometimes it's just just hit the red light and stop. I think, yeah. you know, everybody, we, we talk about tough dogs and, and with the whole tough dog thing, you've got people that want to be the tough trainer. You know, I think there's a mistake that we have, too. It's it's, yeah. it's not OK to be the tough trainer, bro, the, be the smart trainer. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And, and, and wise up, <laughs> Content, having persistence through. There's a time to, to be persistent about something and to nag a dog about doing something. And there's a time to just stop. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, I mean, you you will never regret just going. You know what? I'm gonna stop for today. I'm gonna stop for the week. Mm-hmm. You know, but you if you're having problems and you keep trying and you keep trying and you keep trying, you will you're probably gonna regret the lot one of those times because you're just gonna go boop that one time too much. Right. Right. It may be one more. It may be that one more time in the bird box like I had, which I was like, oh, man, because I was so excited. I was like, oh, if I can just take him one more time. One more, oh, he's doing good. Let me take him one more time. I should have quit, which got got the dog over the problem, you know, got him back right. But luckily, I quit in time. Right. I, if I'd have just kept going, I probably would have made it worse. Um, you know, or like that dog that was, you know, that I almost ruined with the e-collar. You right. know, she wasn't, she wasn't coming. I, I could have just kept shocking and kept shocking and kept shocking. 
I said, I need, I, I knew I was losing my temper. I said, I need to quit. I'm about, to, I'm about to really mess up. Right. So I quit and I put her up. Right. And and see, that's it. I mean, and and going into the 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 tough dog thing again. I just want to, like I said, kind of bring it all full circle. But what it, what is something that we didn't cover last week? Like, what is what is the the overarching issue that we're seeing with dogs being defined as tough because of this whole conversation that people keep asking is a dog. I got a this, I got a that. Like where, where's the misunderstanding line? Hmm. Well, that's the big question. That's why people keep asking it. Right. right. Um, <laughs> you know, that's tough to real. It's cause you got to look at, what are you talking about tough and that's what we talked about for a long time during the live podcast and a long time just you and me on the phone talking is what is the definition of tough and are you looking at are you asking you know are the dogs today tougher kind of question again or are you looking at what is a tough dog again what what is it you're for this for this one i you know i i i think we the comparison of dogs old versus new i mean we can go tit for tat on that all day let's let's stick to the dogs of today how are we defining the dogs of today tough based on what we now know the new training techniques the new innovations in technology you see what i'm saying mm-hmm. like we've yeah. got we've, we've got different methods now um well I, I still think a dog, you know, consider a dog tough that, um, you know, can take the correction and and not freeze up or fold up, um, whether it's using the modern e-collar or the modern flush and whip, <laughs> right. you know, or whatever. Um, you know, it's... So you got that because some dogs even, you know, can't take even a little bit of that, even though they've been introduced to it. Well, right. so can a dog take the correction, whether it's physical or electrical, um, and, and continue to want to hunt and not want to quit. Cause some dogs, they just want to, they want to quit. They get a little pressure. They want to quit. It's like a little kid at the ball field. You, you start correcting them telling them they did something wrong and they just, they want to go sit on the bench and pout. Um, you know, so can they take that correction that takes and and keep going and not just shut down and fold up? Um, and then the physicalness, you know, can a dog run through the briars and hit the briars and, you know, bloody up their mouth because they've got thorns and sticks and, and their pads are sore and mm-hmm. they've been, they've been hunting all year and they just want to, they just, you can't stop them. They just got heart miles and miles of heart. What movie is that from? That's a sports movie. I can't remember what it is, but that, that's what I always think about. They got heart, right? whether it's bad, you know, inclement weather, whether it's, you know, hot weather, bitter, cold weather, raw weather, they're just not going to quit. You know, are they getting, you know, disciplined for something wrong you know they're just not going to quit they just don't quit um and i think that's what makes a tough dog yeah the just not quitting for no for no matter what whether it's a bloody pad or 
a butt whipping or um you know stimulation from the collar or or hot you know whatever they just won't quit that's mm-hmm. a tough dog yeah yeah i agree man i mean it's it's a culmination of a lot of different things man well Terry, what, what didn't we cover? <laughs> uh, the price of eggs in China. <laughs> I think that's about it. Um, I look, I look over my notes right here. Um, oh, I did have a note here. Yeah, wanted to throw out a shout out. Congratulations to to Tommy and Thrill Me. Yes, um, sir. Yes, sir. Which I think we may have mentioned that they won the the shooting the U.S. Shooting Dog Invitational Championship in Arkansas, but. What I didn't realize they had, I did not realize it hadn't been done before, but one other time. But so thrill me, that's P. Mm-hmm. She is the only the second dog in history to win the Masters Open Shooting Dog Championship, the National Open Shooting Dog Championship, and the U.S. Shooting Dog Invitational Championship. Yo, I did not realize that. Mm hmm. And I mean, I didn't. That's not something I just came up in my head. I read it in the field. Yeah. But, but um, it, uh, Sean Kinkler and uh, Covey Rise, awfully amazing. I think was yep. the first dog that did it. Mm-hmm. But those are considered like the like the big th- the, you know some the, of the, the big three. Right for shooting you know, dog, yeah. For shooting dog, because you know, I mean, the the obviously the national championship, right? The shooting the, the national open shooting dog championship is going to be. In the top three, mm-hmm. you know, the it's the national, right. um, and then the masters. Cause I mean, it's the best grounds in the world on wild birds, and typically one of the toughest trials to win, just because the sheer amount of dogs that are in it. Right. Um, but to win that one, and then and then the the um, invitational, you know, yeah, there's only twelve dogs in it, but the top twelve dog points dogs from the previous year right. and they got to run an hour the first day turn around the next day and run an hour and then if they're in the finals they got to run the next day for an hour and a half Shoot, like man. that's tough that's a tough he's a tough dog right <laughs> man I, I i was i was glad to meet her when i did but yeah that dog there is rocking out i mean seriously yeah, she's she'll uh i told i saw tommy uh <clears throat> yesterday was talking about p and i told him uh if she if, if he'd bring her over, let me breed her to some frozen semen I got that I'd give her a vote for the Hall of Fame. So. Shit, man. <laughs> but she'll probably get in there anyway. Yeah, I think so. That Tommy's been putting in the, the work, man, and you know mm-hmm. me, I was up in arms when he told me to come out to Sedgefield and ride with him. So I uh those are opportunities that you just don't pass up. <laughs> you, no way. You yeah. just don't pass up. Um mm-hmm. you know, he should be heading north. Pretty soon. No, he's got. Well, he's. Uh, let's see. He usually goes a touch later. He usually leaves around July twenty fifth or so. Okay. Late July. Okay. Twenty around the twenty. You know, third fourth week in July, right in there. Okay. Um, but he stays a little bit later. But uh, he's about to have another baby. <clears throat> um, oh. Yeah, just a, you know, I mean, anytime. Anytime now, they're gonna have his little girl, a second second child. Okay. Um, and um, about talking about P and winning all these championships, because that's not, that's not all she's won. Those three, she's won a bunch of other champions, a bunch of other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, people talk about oh, well, field trial dogs can't hunt. No, I've mm-hmm. seen that dog hunts. 
she hunts. I've seen her hunt when I was so. Because I can't remember if it was when I was hurt or. You know that's my you know that's my family. Right. It's always my cousin. We take care of all each other around here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was when I was hurt. Um. Yeah, and and I couldn't even go on the hunt because I was so hurt at that time. Um, Tommy came in, and you know, Dad ran. You know, Dad ran a brace of dogs, and Tommy ran a brace of dogs. Right. Um, and he had pee. She was hunting. Right. Uh, I'm pretty sure he uses. You know, Tommy does some contract hunts <clears throat> for some people that got property but don't have dogs, mm-hmm. and she hunts. Um. The, the best field trial dogs should be able to hunt are the best hunting. Dogs. Yeah. I, I don't, you know what, man, I don't, one thing that, that kind of gets me about when people say stuff like that, I, I don't, I don't, I guess I just don't understand that statement. Like the uh, field trialing was, we wouldn't have field trialing if we didn't have hunting. So if that's the case, I mean, they're running these dogs. Like Tommy technically hunts he on wild birds all up and down the country. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When he goes up north. And no, he might not be shooting these birds. I'm sure the difference between shooting a bird and not shooting a bird is so trivial when it comes to the dog being a hell of a bird finder and having the style and technique and range to be able to do it and do it damn well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, yeah. like, and, and, handle, and handle them perfectly, right? And so then uh, that 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 goes into my next thing, um, uh, like, oh, field trial dogs are robots. What? I know that the comment I saw that, and I almost commented. I was like, no, Terry James, <laughs> don't do it. And I, and I even thought about, I was like, well, I could say it like this, and I'd be very, you know, that would be very, uh, you know, um, what's the word? I can't think of the word. Um, very tactful. Yeah. Like, how can I say it? Be very tactful yeah. and not piss somebody off. Cause you know, everything's taken the wrong way. The wrong way. Online. Right. But I was like, nope, just, just, just let it go. Yeah. Cause if that's how they feel, you're probably not about to change their mind. Yeah. At- Ten o'clock I, at night on Instagram, <laughs> and I, and <laughs> on, I, on Darrell's page. <laughs> right, look, and, and I appreciate you catching that, and I and I just kind of tilt my head, and it's all in good fun and jest and and stuff like that. But you know, we'll talk we'll we'll talk trash about whoever's dogs and stuff like that because that happens. But I mean, I hear it day in and day out, mm-hmm. day in and day out. Those field trial dogs are, are that like that's not the first time I've heard that. No, field, I've heard it from people. And I've seen it online, and and I'm oh, most of it's from people that are just butt hurt because they don't have a field trial dog. <laughs> you know, like the so this year's. You know, I, can't, I think. Uh, you know, uh, this year's national champion, national open shooting dog champion. She had like uh, close to ten finds in an hour and a half. I think she did. She had nine. Was oh, I'm it? sorry, it was, a, it was a male. Um, um, so what? Oh shoot, I can't remember what Jason. I, I have that it. Dog. Um, I have it right here. I wrote it down. I somewhere. can't remember if it's a Telocus dog or it's an Osceola a, dog. Um. Osceola Rebel, says, Osceola's Rebel, Rebel Chief. Chief. Yep. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. His name's his name's Bill, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jason Loper handling Ted Roach owns him. Um, Jason Loper trained and developed that dog, but um, yep. you know, I can't remember how many finds. You know, it's like close to ten. Yeah. In an hour and a half on wild birds. 
Right. And um, the winner of the Masters Open Shoot Dog Champion Championship this year had nine fines in an hour on wild birds, and did them. And um, I didn't see it. I didn't see that brace. I was gone. But Rebel Chief, yep, nine fines. I had it. I knew I had it here written down. Osceola's Rebel Chief had nine fines on had that nine day. Fines? Okay. Yep, nine. Well, um, uh, Chelsea Thunderbolt, I think, had nine fines at the Masters mm-hmm. um, this year and was champ- named champion. And I'm sure his bird work was flawless. Otherwise, he could not have been named champion. Mm-hmm. Um, and did that in an hour. Right. I mean, I would, um, on a, none, none of the people that, I just know, these the, the folks that are saying all this stuff, negative about field trial dogs, their hunting dog could not hold a candle. <laughs> yeah, to I mean, either one of those dogs hunting. Because I've seen, I, I saw a trouble tree. I saw him. The can't remember if it was right after the national, mm-hmm. or right before the national, getting ready for. It's probably right after the national. Getting yeah, it was getting ready for the masters. We were working dogs, and he, you know, Jason was running them, and he wasn't. He was just getting them out. Let him get around some birds. He wasn't trying to push him and do all that. Because, you know, he knew he was going to do that. But that sucker just stayed right there in front of you. Yep. And, yeah, he made a cast or two. Yep. But, you know, he was. But the dog knows Jason wasn't trying to make him run and push him. And he didn't want to blow it on the whistle. Right. Right. He'd, uh, you'd have never guessed that that dog was a big running shooting dog. If you didn't know that what the two the dog was, you'd just think, oh, Jason's working one of his, you know, one of his hunting dogs and mm-hmm. man, he's finding a bunch of birds. <laughs> right. And, and see the thing is you're not going to have a robot dog or, or a, a, a dog that that's intuition right there. You know yeah, what I'm saying? I didn't, even, I didn't even quite understand that. What do you mean by a robot? And that's why I almost said, what do you mean by robot dog? But I said, no, nah, just don't get into it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I'll, I'll always laugh it off because I try to think that, you know, I, I try to take things in jest. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not one of them people that want to get on social media and get to hooping it. Ah, ah, you said this about it. Ah, I'm not, yeah, I'm uh-huh. not that type of person. But, and and I'll sit there and everybody knows I'll sit and talk talk all the trash in the world about anybody short hair. It doesn't matter. And I got friends with them. <laughs> <laughs> like, whatever. Like, it is what it is. But um, at the end of the day, like, when when there is a constant reverberating like robot dog robot dog. i mean i've heard that for years at this point and i just i'm like what 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 do you what yeah, do you mean I'll never, yeah i don't even know you know that to me that's like saying any of our top pro athletes it's like to me oh tiger woods is a robot huh huh he was a robot back in the day, though. <laughs> I mean, it, but... It was it, input and output. Uh, right. He swung the club and they sunk the hole. Right? And they sunk the hole. So, um, okay, so if we want to go off of that, you know, say it off of that notion, well, hell, the dog found birds and got them up and found birds and got them up. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, but, yeah, so what's wrong with that? <laughs> so sure. Isn't that what you would want? A yeah. dog that you just, that you turn on and it just goes and produces birds? And it produces birds like... Because if you, all right, so now we're getting into that's another, point, right? yeah, that's kind of the point. So if we're getting into it, what, I mean, what, what do you like? Okay. We've got style. We've got range. We've got a hell of a nose. We've got intelligence. Should we, what, what shouldn't we have for that dog to not be a robot? 
Yeah, like we got to take something away <laughs> so that, that you'll like that dog now, uh, but you'll prove he's got the you know some of the best style, some of the best bird finding ability, and handles mm-hmm. and runs out there and looks pretty. Which one of those things is it that you don't like about the dog? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, because you tell me, and I'll find you one that doesn't have it, and I'll sell them to you for a whole bunch of money. <laughs> You can gladly take this dog. <laughs> that is silly, man. But uh, you know, I I just like cutting up, man. But you yeah. know, I think I in, in in all seriousness, I think we do need to be careful about the classification of stuff. Like just saying stuff like that because yeah. you know, you know, Buddy might have been joking and stuff like that. And, and exactly, it's all good. and because it's on because online, it's on you can't tell. You know, right, and then it's it, it especially it, it's on my page, so it gets taken the wrong way or gets taken. You know, some new guy comes in and is like, "Oh, well, I don't want a robot dog," and they don't really know what that means. But the guy that made the comment might have been joking. You see, what I'm saying it's just mm-hmm. a, it 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 opens the the gateway to a train wreck. Oh yeah, that's what I was like. I'm just I'm just gonna go to bed. Just go to bed, Terry Jones. Just <laughs> ignore it. Because I get, I'm, I, that's one of my character faults. So I get very defensive. <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah, and you, you know, what I'm saying like I, I just I, I have it. And again, admittedly, I am very biased about pointers, and 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 now about to be biased, very biased about setters. And I mean, I and because I just think that I, I, I want a specialist dog. I just do. Like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I. I those those two breeds are the specialists of what we're doing. I don't really get down with all the other attributes and stuff. If I want to go find fur, I'll just go buy a hound dog. Like I, you know, what I'm saying. But yeah, when it comes to, and I think that comes down to why again I'm so adamant about speaking about the 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 pride that I have for being down here in Georgia. That's the, you go down to South Georgia. That's what you are gonna find. It's specialty, like pointers, baby. That's that's it. You are gonna find pointers, pointers and some setters. and some and some setters. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, you know this this one that I'm looking at for my buddy. I trust my buddy's judgment. You see, what I'm saying like I I, yeah. I speak to him a lot, and he's like, "Yo, I think we might got something in the running." But you know, and 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 Neil, the the setters he has, Curtis, the setters he got, like they're not trash dogs no. you know what I'm saying and and if you're going to come down here considering the conditions considering the piney woods considering all of this stuff you better you and, and, and considering the dog man that are down here you know what I'm saying I know for mm-hmm. damn sure that I'm not about to show up to Melrose with a sorry dog I'm just not like I'm, I'm just not going to I would be very embarrassed to do that you know what I'm saying? And that's just the that is just the standard that I think is appropriate to even number one, be here talking on a dang podcast, but two, to know guys like you, to know guys like Tommy. And and you've got and, and we've and all of this information is out there and we've got these resources. Use them. You know what I'm saying? Like Yeah. Make right, the best dog you can make. Make the best dog you can make. You know what I'm saying? I was talking to my buddy um, it, today, matter of fact, and he was like, oh, pigeon launcher here, pigeon launcher there. I was like, bruh, like nothing wrong with the pigeon launcher, but stop. Just take the dog on some wild birds. Just 
take him down there. Like, and and he asked me about that, and and we were going into this long conversation about like he's basically trying to get the dog to stop circling this bird. The dog has a circling problem. It'll point and then break point, circle, circle, circle. And I was kind of working out some different solutions to maybe hopefully get it done. But we had gotten there and he's like, oh, well, I don't really want the dog to be broke past, um, you know, past me going. As long as the dog holds while I flush, this is where we got to. As long as the dog holds while I can flush the bird and it stays in place, I'm good. But then we start going down the rabbit hole and he was getting to where you might as well just finish the dog out. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like you're doing yeah. all of this work and spending all of this time with the dog. My point being, just finish the dog out. Yeah, I mean, if you, can, if you can get him broke to, you know, to wing, it's not that. It's more to get him broke to shot. The broke to shot. You know, and then if you get him broke, not want, getting him not wanting to chase him before you get there is the hardest part. Right. <laughs> that, getting them broke to the, you know to, once you get to the point where you can walk out in front of them and kick a bird up you're getting somewhere you're, you're getting, getting somewhere. close and you're then, getting really close and then um, now all we got to do is start shooting over them and then getting them to, to stay when the bird falls I mean again mm-hmm. you're you're almost there yeah which if he's just all, all he's ever going to do is hunt and you know yeah yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Not, it's not bad let him you know dad used to he used to let some even on hunts which it was he was doing it on purpose with some intention was letting some you know he'd let he'd let one or two that were just really good at it every now and then go pick up a bird and bring them back to him yep. yep um but he but those dogs were broke and then he allowed them to go do it you right. know what i mean right they were broke and if it was a bird he saw it got killed right there in front of the dog and the dog saw it fall and then stood there and he'd go tap him on the head and let him go pick it up. And, right. It's, but um that wasn't that, that wasn't often. That was very, very rare, but I've seen him do it. Right. You know, just good for a dog every now and then to get the bird get a get a bird in their mouth. Well, I I just started letting Vegas retrieve. Like literally like I I the last time I went out with my buddy Shane um, and I don't work on retrieving work with Vegas at all. He's he's a natural. He just naturally likes to pick mm-hmm. stuff up. And so, yeah, pointers that, aren't bad little retrievers no, for short distances, right? You know, I mean, I'm not about to have him go out and make some kind of crazy hunt for the year. No, that's not about to happen. But you know, we shoot little birds and stuff. They fall, and he, as long as he stayed broke, you know, then I can walk up to him and tap him on the head, and even then he'll go because he knows he's not supposed to do it all the time. He'll go and he'll actually point at the dead bird first, and mm-hmm. then I can tell him to pick it up and he'll bring it to me. You know, and and yeah. but I'm okay with that. But again, that is Terry. We're talking about hell. That's the first time I've ever let him do that. In a, yeah, in I a, wouldn't do it. I would not do it much. No. Do not do it to a point to where he thinks that he can just go do it. Like it doesn't need to be a habit. Right. You know, I would have been very. Tip when I put it when I get when I kill a bird and for, for to get let a dog get its mouth on it. I usually kill it, and then I walk out and I go pick it up and take it and bring it to him. So right. I want him to stand there, right? Um, but you it's know, not, it's not—it's okay to do it. Some, right, right. And what it sounds like your buddy needs to do, um, he said, because he's so he's got a pigeon in the launcher and the dog's pointing and runs around the launcher and then points and runs around the launcher. If it's a launcher, he'll do it to little little quail and stuff like that. He'll the dog just likes to circle. But is. 
I'm saying if I, I didn't okay all right well, that's a little different say if he's he needs to get stop using the launcher then for mm-hmm. that particular reason so that way when the dog keeps circling them the bird will fly and then he can correct the dog for doing that right i terry i told him stop using the launcher for a little while now he is adamant about it which you know, it's only so many times you can, you know, and he's a good friend. Don't get me wrong, but I just, I'm not a fan of, I'm not a fan of the repetitive use of a launcher. That's what I'm no. saying. Or if he, if he's just insistent on the launcher, you know, maybe suggest to him, all right, well, you, you know, that if you want, when you know, the dog, is he seeing the launcher? Or has he got it hidden in the bushes good and you can smell it? I think At he's least. got it. I think he's got it hidden. I would assume he's got it okay. hidden. Well, let's assume he's got it hidden because assuming is always a very safe thing to do, right? <laughs> um, right. Assume he's got it hidden. He knows when the dog's downwind and can smell it, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, if, if he's just dead set on it, I'd tell him then when he move, when he goes to circle, throw that bird. Throw it. Just pop it. And then, and, you know, because that would be like he's knocking it, right. you know, because that's what's going to happen on real bird, on wild birds, on, you know, on real birds when he goes to move around it. Right. Bird's gonna fly, right? So it's almost like a simulated knock, and then apply your correction. Right, right. Um, that's Terry is, and and, and again, we, we kind of do. This. It is just very. And I own a bird launcher. I don't want anybody to sit here and say, "Oh, well, you got one." I'm not trying to be a hypocrite or well, nothing. I, I just, some. you know, what you I'm gotta saying? have you gotta have all the tools because right. you never know when you want when you're gonna need it. I, right. But I just my I, like I'll use a launcher as a quiz or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like if, if I need to shore up something and I kind of want to really, really, really have my hands on the entire situation. But mm-hmm. fundamentally, I just I want that bird to get up and go and stuff like that. But, you know, one thing I guess that I've always adopted, and this was another Neil thing, he's always been like a launcher makes a robotic dog. And I I kind of feel that. I, I kind of do. Um, my thought would be that a launcher, the problem is a dog out in the wild bird woods is never going to smell metal. And if a dog's nose is just that much stronger than ours, which it is, I just would think that after a while, that launcher, he would start predicting the outcomes of what's about to happen. You know, um, yeah, I, I, I just that's, that that makes the most sense to me. Whereas a bird, a quail, whether it be a, 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 a good flying released bird or um, or preferably a wild bird. Those birds might sit, those birds might run, those birds, you know what I'm saying? There's just a lot of different variables that go on that are unpredictable. Oh, yeah. Um, And, and, you know, the predictability is good for the dog in the beginning because you want them to be able to predict a little bit. You want them to go, ooh, I smell the bird, and I know if I make it fly, I'm going to get disciplined, so I better stand here. Right. But, and so... Maybe that launcher is good for some of that predictability at the very beginning, if you want to look at it like that. But you got to get away from it eventually. Mm-hmm. And I like, you know, it's, you know, and I want that, if that dog dives in there on top of that launcher and then you hit the button and it whacks it in the face, <laughs> you know. But I want, but I, if that dog dives in there, I want the bird to fly. Right. 
and I want to be able to release it. But I mean, there's there's good there's there's good and there's bad, you know, things with launchers. Right. You just gotta you just gotta weigh them out and use them use them wisely. Use them wisely, right? Well, Terry, let's let's end with a with a, a short recollection of one of the stories of of your dad running bird dogs that's always stuck out to you. Mm. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. One of my, I mean, it's the, one of my favorites is. Uh, it wasn't wasn't even at a field trial. Um, it was, but it was a field trial dog. It was Melrose Huckabuck, who was. Uh, let's see. He was by Melrose Buck. He was, he was by Masters Champion Melrose Buck out of Masters Runner-Up Champion <laughs> um, Melrose Edition. Um, okay. and, and Huckabuck, he was, we called him Bill. He was also a Masters Champion. Um, he, and he was, uh, what other championship did he win? I'm blank on it right now. He, he was number two printed points dog. In 1998, um, so this is another example of <laughs> field trial dogs that can hunt. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he's um, you know, when he started kind of getting older, <clears throat> he retired him and put him in the hunting string, and and he'd gotten much older at this point. Um, and Dad just said, "Let's let's take old Bill out. Let's go, let's go run him. Let's go let him point some birds, kill some birds for him." I was a, I was a kid. I was, you know, probably nine or ten mm-hmm. and um and well i killed my first quail over him uh, as a kid so that was exciting okay but, um, but, but this particular time he just said let's just take old bill out and we turned him loose and you know we were on horseback and that's the only dog we put on the trailer we weren't out trying to work dogs or we were just out there's me and dad and a bird dog um you know the way you know quail hunting used to be mm-hmm. um and he went through there and <laughs> i can't remember how many coveys he pointed um but there's one particular covey we we're right on the property line of a piece of property that tall timbers uh research station used to do a lot of research on mm-hmm. and um you know these wild quail they don't know where they are supposed to belong with property lines they fly wherever they want to go right. um so he pointed and dad said go down there and kill him one and um, went out there and Covey got up and killed a bird. And it was a it was a cock bird, and he was he had a uh, a tracking collar on the bird. Had a radio collar on, and he was banded on his leg. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And um, I got that band on my on my whistle on my lanyard. Wow! Um, that I use today. And uh, so I got a little piece of bill right there, and that's just that's a memory that's always stuck out. And that's that's dope, man. And people talk about shooting banded ducks. <laughs> yeah, I got a banded quail, man. Um, so that was special, and you know, and that's not, you know, it wasn't a memory of of that of any big awesome win in field trial that he did, mm-hmm. but it was that's just a special memory. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That and uh, and I'll tell you one. We'll do one more because you okay. know Chastain. We can't we can't keep <laughs> talking. Go ahead. Um, 
but you'll but you'll like this one because I know you're saying a Tommy. So uh, <clears throat> it was probably in the mid mid to late nineties. Um, Dad had just um, got first place at a field trial, and and Tommy's father, Big Tommy, Uncle Tommy, got second. Yeah, and you know he's a, he's a, he's an excellent dog trainer too. He's a heck of a dog man. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he came up to me. He said, "Terry James." He said, "You know, I get a lot of second places at field trials." I said, "Oh yeah." <laughs> I said, "Yeah." And he said, "Do you know why that is?" And I said, "Why is that?" He said, "Cause your daddy always gets first." <laughs> <laughs> I'll never, I'll, and I'll never forget that because that's a he's a very competitive man. Right. For him to say something like that right. is uh is is pretty spectacular. And then um this past this last fall. I placed first in a trial and he placed second. <laughs> and I wanted so bad to tell him some things never change. <laughs> but, I, but I didn't have the heart to do that. Oh, him. man. The moment that you say that. <laughs> oh, no. You now, ain't going to never time, if I do if ne- next time I get first and he gets second, that ever happens again, I'm gonna tell him next oh, time. Well. <laughs> Some things never change. But. Well, you call me the day that you do, and I, I tell me how the look on his face changes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Terry, man, I, I enjoyed it. That was a hell of a way to end. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> that, was um, that was fun. That was fun, man. And um I'll get this podcast up ASAP, man. And, uh, you know, like I said, I I, I wonder what we didn't cover in this episode. So, you know. I don't know. I mean, I'm looking, you know, I took those notes. And I'm I'm assuming you can edit all this stuff out if you don't want it. But I'm keeping keeping it all other than the breaks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I took the notes from the, um, on some paper and the questions and, I mean, we talked about the tough, you know, we revisited some toughness stuff. Um, talked about some, uh, you know, some of my day-to-day on the place and training methods and uh, talked about a couple couple bird dogs and some problems I've had and, you know, some outside-of-the-box ways that I've worked on them and we talked about horseback. Mm-hmm. You know, and the and the transition of dogs from horseback to walking, and and, and Huckabuck, the dog that I killed the track and the track bird on, you could walk hunt him from here to Atlanta, and then roll a whistle, and he'd run like an all age dog. Shoot, man! You know, I mean, he could just that's those best dogs. They they know they're smart, they're intelligent, they know what they're doing. Right, right. Damn, and, uh, man, I'd have loved to hunt over that dog. Oh, I know. And I've got and uh, so Bill, my Bill, my Derby is grandson to that dog. Um, okay. okay. We bred him. We had some. We got just some frozen semen on on Huckabuck, and um, had a dog named Gal that she just she passed away. We had to put her to sleep right before Christmas. She had um, uh, shoot, what's it called? Um, meningitis. Okay. She was a she was a heck of a dog too. She yeah. was one like that. You blow the whistle and she'd run, and then in church she'd come walk up with you. But. <sighs> We covered a lot. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Well, I as as always, man. I definitely appreciate it. And you know, this is this is only the first of what I what I would hope to be many many years of a very very good friendship, man. Me too, man. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, I've enjoyed yep. it so far. And I just need need to get down here and uh, work some dogs. <laughs> <laughs>
well, that's that's happening because you know, as soon as this little quarantine is over, I'm I'm getting out of the house, so I'll be heading down there. Come on, bud. Yep, yep, yep. Well, thank you again, buddy. Hey, I enjoyed it. Thank you. Give me somebody to talk to about bird dogs. <laughs> well, you know, now you know you can text me, call me, whatever the case may be, and I'm gonna be blowing you up too. <laughs> hey, man, it's all good. Any right. way I can help, any yes. way I can help you, or um, you know, like I said on the last one, you know, if anybody wants to got a question, they want to send me a message, mm-hmm. you know, reach out to me. I'll be happy to. Happy to try to answer it. And uh, your Instagram handle and all of that, your Instagram, Facebook, and all of that stuff, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm on Instagram. I think it's just Terry J Chastain. Yep. Real, real creative. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, Facebooks, just me, Terry James Chastain Jr. Right. Um, and um, you know, I got, I've been, I've been, I've been thinking about going on and putting my, some contact information on your mentor stuff just so I'm actually, anybody has some yes, questions please, about that. Please do, because um, I'm organizing that this week. So, yeah, okay. please, please do. Not that I think I'm, a, you know, the best out there, but, well, it, but, but, if some, but if I can help somebody and encourage them to, you know, on a little area with their dog that might help them out, yeah. uh, you know, that I, I'd like to help somebody if I can do that. Because I've had a lot of people help me to get to get here and uh you know that's, you got to keep returning the favor got to got to that's the important part and i think i think you're you you're definitely qualified for it terry i'm pretty sure you are <laughs> at least for today at least look at least for today <laughs> <laughs> well all right but that is that is you know guys another episode of the gundog notebook podcast with Mr. Terry James Chastain. Um, you know, and I look forward to another week. So we will see y'all soon. All right, guys, I, I really hope y'all enjoyed the podcast. I want to thank my sponsors, Onyx Maps, Yukonuba Sporting Dog, my affiliates, Lion Country Supply, and Garmin Fish and Hunt. I hope to see you guys next week. Stay happy, stay healthy, stay safe, and get out. Use the extra time to work your bird dogs, guys. See you soon.